Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready? This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. Hey, what's up? It's Rich, host of My Take Radio. You are tuning into My Take Radio, episode 21 for Wednesday. November 25th, 2009. Uh, the music you just heard was The Omen of Geneva by Neko Frog One, N-E-K-O Frog One. If you're interested in downloading that track or any of the other tracks used in previous My Take Radio broadcasts, you can head over to ocremix.org. Uh, the call-in number is 347-324-3541. Um, little housekeeping, tonight's guests are going to be Hayden Dalton, the lead designer, as well as Han Randawa, the art director for THQ's Darksiders. They should be calling in at 11.15. Um, also, the art contest is in full effect. I got the first entry in last week. So uh, many thanks to Blaine for submitting his entry. Um, of course, the contest is in full effect, and you can head over to mytakeradio.com for details. Um, also, we are starting to get some commercials in for uh, some of our fellow friends of the show, such as B, as a VGN and Born Stubborn Radio, so they will have uh, their commercials played possibly tonight throughout the broadcast or in future episodes. Nonetheless, um, until the guests call in, just want to get into some things that weren't covered last week. Um, of course, the big story was in MMA news with Brock Lesnar possibly being, uh, his career being cut short. As it turns out, as of right now, he had a hole in an intestine that was fixed recently, and the, uh, it seems that the fluid from his intestines was leaking into his body, which I discussed in, uh, briefly last week, and he went in for a procedure. The hole was sewed up, and according to his trainer and jiu-jitsu coach, uh, Rodrigo Compridio Maderos, he told uh, TMZ that Brock Lesnar will be ready to fight in six months. He said, and I quote, I can just say that the heavyweights can stop laughing and get ready to start crying because the champion will be back soon. Of course, um, six months is a, is a good timeline. I think that, um, you know, I'm more than sure he's going to lose a ton of weight based on that. He's also going to have um, one of those. There's definitely going to be a lot of things that are going to hinder his ability just based on, on the surgery itself. Um, I'm more than sure that he's going to have dietary restrictions. There's probably going to be training restrictions, especially considering that you don't want those sutures uh, to break. But the fact is that that's one of those things that while, you know, it is a very touchy situation, I really think that Brock Lesnar will make a full recovery. Uh, six months, I would probably say that they will do an interim title in the meantime. And once that's settled, probably it will be, um, Kane, it'll probably be Kane Velasquez and uh, Shane Carwin fighting for the interim, and then the winner fights Brock Lesnar. Um, who knows? I mean, Carwin had knee surgery recently, and he may be ready to go, and 
he may take the fight with Kane. I mean, he could just as easily say, look, I'll wait and let two other guys fight and then me and Brock fight. But it's one of those things that it can go either way. And nonetheless, I really hope that a lot of these heavyweights, I wish them a speedy recovery. Um, I definitely want to see these guys all fight. Cain uh, Velasquez, you know, great heavyweight prospect, young dude, he's hungry, uh, great knockout power. Uh, Shane Carwin, of course, is a beast, um, great wrestling ability. Um, I think he would match up well with Brock Lesnar in, ter- in terms of size and strength. Um, on a skill set, of course, Shane Carwin has the more accomplished uh, martial arts back, mixed martial arts background, but nonetheless, I'm more than sure that um, – during his recovery time, Brock Lesnar is going to take the opportunity to heal up and get himself in order so that he can meet any challenger, of course, head on. But nonetheless, right now it seems that the web has just gotten quiet regarding Brock Lesnar's uh, health conditions, and I can't really go into it any further until somebody you know, opens their yap and puts some stuff out there. Um, of course, UFC 106 passed this weekend, and... While I would love to discuss it in detail, I'm only going to go through a few things because I want to save that discussion for uh, the show for December 3rd. Nonetheless, um, during the Q&A for the 106 show, Dana White was asked about his meeting with Shane McMahon, which I mentioned last week. Um, it seems that Shane McMahon has been meeting with the UFC to work with them in some capacity. There's rumors going around that he's going to cash out some of his stock options and buy a portion of the UFC. I think that the fact is that anything with Shane McMahon involved uh, can be good and bad, especially for the UFC, because while Shane McMahon is, is a great businessman, he's expanded the WWE's web presence, their international presence, and he's just a good businessman, I think that the stigma associated with the McMahon name is definitely going to be something that's going to be looked at by the, by the general public, especially those that are MMA purists. I have a feeling that their first initial response is going to be, oh, man, you guys are going to bring in a McMahon. Everybody's going to, think, going to start thinking that MMA is fake, blah, blah, blah. And while I understand and, you know, I, I can agree with their concerns, you have to look at something that will help grow business. And in terms of international exposure and in terms of moving businesses into international markets, I really think that Shane McMahon would be beneficial to the UFC. And it's not one of those things where you're going to, where Shane McMahon is going to be seen on television with Dana White, unless, you know, he wants to be in that same role with Dana. But the fact is that if he's working behind the scenes and helping to grow a sport that I think is, you know, at the forefront right now, I, I see nothing wrong with that. On the contrary, I think it's a blessing. And, you know, a lot of people are going to be like, oh, well, you know, he's coming from wrestling. They're going to want to start doing wrestling shit and blah, blah, blah. And it's like we are watching anything, wrestling, football, basketball, baseball. Yeah, we're watching it for competition, but we are also watching it for entertainment value. And quite honestly, the UFC has enough characters and personalities that they don't really need to take it to that upper echelon of craziness that the WWE is known for. I mean, Brock Lesnar, you got a guy, he cuts promos, he, you know, he, he antagonizes his opponents, antagonizes his fans. Uh, same could be said about Frank Mir. Josh Koscheck is a great example, given his performance against um, Anthony Johnson at 106. 
you know, he um he called out Dan Hardy, who was in, in the in the audience, about saying that he should have the opportunity to fight Dan Hardy before Hardy fights George St. Pierre. You know, these are things, these colorful personalities already exist. And, you know, there's no acting, there's no dialogue coaches, there's nothing. These are just, you know, real competitors that are going to go out there and voice their opinions. And if people are going to think that UFC is going to become a WWE sideshow based on Shane McMahon's involvement, then I think they're going to be severely misinformed. I honestly hope that it does go through just so we can see the UFC grow even bigger than it has. I mean, Dana White mentioned in a previous press conference about doing a show in Abu Dhabi, expanding into Mexico, expanding into, the, um, into China, into Japan, and some of the Asian markets, considering that, you know, in Japan right now, you know, you got Dream and you got, you know, smaller promotions as considered here in the United States, but bigger promotions abroad that have great fighters. You know, you got Shinya Aoki who's out there, um, and he's a guy that's just fantastic. You got Gomi, the guys that are household names in Japan that the U.S. market, unless you YouTube the fights or look online, you're not going to be able to see some of these great fighters. Gomi, for example, is just a, a great fighter, um, very humble, and he fought Nick Diaz, and Nick Diaz beat him, and everybody was like, holy shit, Nick Diaz beat Gomi, and, you know, people couldn't see that, which was very disheartening, especially considering that it was a very good fight, and quite honestly, you would consider it an upset um, on behalf of Nick Diaz. But nonetheless, I think that Dana White is doing the right thing by going into the markets little by little. I mean, MMA regulations are slowly coming into effect in the U.S. Uh, Massachusetts came on board. Um, it was one of those things where, you know, the states are slowly making their way in. There's a rumor going around that UFC 111, which is supposed to be headlined by George St. Pierre and Dan Hardy, is going to be in Jersey, which, you know, for me as a New Yorker, that's, you know, about a hour and a half, two-hour drive, depending on traffic and things of that nature. But I can actually make the drive and possibly see that event. Of course, the tickets are going to be astronomically high. But nonetheless, the sport is getting some exposure that is, you know, just warranted. And I think that a sport like the UFC is doing all the things that boxing should have done a couple of years back. You know, you you start – with, with, with a good centralized fan base, and then you slowly start expanding into different territories. You start introducing uh, your audience to fighters from abroad. You know, you start showing that those fighters have great personalities. I think one of the greatest benefits that they had is the fact that the Ultimate Fighter introduced so many great personalities. You know, you got when the U.S. versus U.K. Um, UFC happened, there were a lot of great guys in there. I mean, even the season prior to that, which had guys like Ross Poynton, who was a, a great personality, who I never really found out what happened to him, but he was just a great fighter to watch. Uh, Michael Bisping, of course. Um, coming out of the U.S. and U.K. season, you had Ross Pearson, James Wilkes, Andre Winner. Um, you got Dan Hardy from the U.K. Um, if you want to go into international sensations that have just gotten great exposure in the UFC, you can perfect example, Anderson Silva, George St. Pierre, who's French-Canadian. These are guys that, while I'm more than sure we're well-known, once you get into the, the big leagues of the UFC, the exposure just is magnified. And it, it introduces you to a new audience. Uh, there, there's a lot of guys that are just not seen by us. Um, a good example, and he's actually in Strikeforce now, is King Mo. 
a lot of people said to me, hey, man, you know, King Mo, he's really crazy. He's really flamboyant. He has really cool entrances, but he's also a great fighter. Uh, you know, uh, pretty much my recommendation was if you like a dude like Phil Baroni, you can like a dude like King Mo. So, but of course, you know, I got to go to the all-powerful YouTube and pull up King Mo, and I'm like, wow, King Mo is a pretty badass dude. And, of course, Strike Force is seeing that, and they're starting to grab some of this international talent, as well as, you know, working with some of the talent that's here in the U.S. They're, they're going beyond their borders to try and get that exposure because they know that the UFC is just, the, you know, a train just running through all these countries trying to get out there. It's, you know, it's one of those things where I'm very happy as a fan because I get to see some really great fights, but I'm also happy just because, you know, there's alternatives to, to combat sports besides boxing. I mean, quite honestly, boxing I enjoy in limited doses. I, I can say that, you know, I saw a little bit of the Pacquiao and Cotto fight as, as a Puerto Rican. I got to, you know, I, I got to watch Cotto fight, you know, just because, you know, racial bias, you could call it whatever, but I like Pacquiao also. And I got to tell you, that fight, top to bottom, delivered. I mean, of course, Cotto was on the losing end, and, you know, I'm not spoiling anything for anybody. But the fact is that you need fights like that to get people back into boxing. I mean, there's the large shadow of Pacquiao and Mayweather fighting, you know, and that's going to be another big money ticket. But once you get that out of the way, what else do you have? You know, you, they're not – boxing isn't promoting and building itself up to be a competitor to the UFC, which is unfortunate because, you know, the sweet science is one of the foundations that's in mixed martial arts. You know, you, in order to have good stand-up, you got to have good boxing. You know, you got to have good Muay Thai, things of that nature. And a lot of amateur boxers and a lot of, um, you know, more well-known boxers are considering and some are even going into MMA. If you look at a guy like the Irish hand grenade Marcus Davis, who fought recently, at um, the previous UFC event, he's a guy. He was he was a he had a great boxing record, and he you know he just transitioned into MMA. It's the same thing that that's happening, and this is one of those things where you know you can look at it similar to like the NBA does. A lot of collegiate wrestlers are taking the opportunities because when they get out of when they get out of college, they only have really two alternatives in terms of athletics. Either you get into pro wrestling which is uh, something that Kurt Angle did, but that was just because he came out of the Olympics. Um, if you look at guys like Kurt Angle, Shelton Benjamin, Bobby Lashley, hell, Brock Lesnar, you, you know, you look through some of those guys that are on your, on your television during the week, a lot of their foundations came from just regular collegiate wrestling. In terms of MMA, you know, it's the same thing. You have great boxers who are just, not making any headway in, in such a crowded sport with boxing and just very little exposure, and they figure, all right, let me make this transition to MMA. And a lot of them, you know, are seeing success. I, I mean, there are guys that if they transition from boxing to MMA and just got a good foundation in terms of groundwork and possible defense would be great additions. I mean, if you look at a guy, a great example, a guy like Floyd Mayweather, Super fast, fast hands, um, great businessman, great showman. He would easily transition well into mixed martial arts. Quite honestly, he would be one of those guys 
that would help move the sport forward. And it would be very dangerous if something like that happened, happened to the sport of boxing just because it's going to be it's such a large name making that transition. The only thing I don't like is something like Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker, of course, is going to be making his MMA debut in Strike Force. And while I, 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 he's a gifted athlete, a phenomenal martial artist, his age concerns me, but, you know, I can't make too many harsh judgments because you look at guys like Randy Couture that are in there just grinding it out, uh, hurting people's feelings. And I believe that our guest may be on the line. Let me check it out and just to make sure. Go ahead. You're on the air. Hey, what's up, Rich? This is Hayden. Hayden Dolson. Hey. hey, Hayden. How's it going? Yeah, I'm all right, bud. I think uh, Hans should be phoning soon. I don't know if he can phone at the same time or not, but he should be phoning too. All right. Yeah, I, have a, I, I haven't seen him come up on the board yet. But um, yeah, while well, I have you on it, no, he probably he should have got the same details you did. But um, nonetheless, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad you called in, and I think he may be on the other line. Let's find out. Uh, You're on the air. Uh, hi, this is Han Randauer. <laughs> hey, Han, how's it going? All right, how's it going there? Pretty good, pretty good. Um, thank you both for joining me this evening. Um, for, first off, just to um, educate some of our listeners, tell, tell, us, tell us a little bit about Darksiders. Well, Darksiders is a game about war. He's one of the um, four horsemen of the apocalypse who's wrongly accused of bringing the apocalypse down. And uh, he basically gets stripped of his powers and has got to go back to Earth and reclaim his powers back and basically restore the balance because hell and, you know, heaven are all banging it out, all crazy up there and all the demons all over on Earth. So he basically has to find out who brought the apocalypse down early and, and try and fix it all by killing a lot of people along the way, of course. Of course. So that's, that's the top nice. and bottom of it. Nice. I actually had the opportunity to play the game at the New York Comic Con as well as meet Joe Maduera, who was uh, just fantastic to, to speak to. And, you know, he was very passionate about the game. And I actually took the opportunity to play the game as well. And off, off the bat, I have to say that the, the presentation of the game in terms of just the way the, the, the game was drawn, the, the, the shading, the, the um, motion detection as well as collision detection and, and attacking enemies was phenomenal. And what I wanted to ask you was, um, in terms of, especially with you, Hayden, who was one of the lead designers, you, what was the inspiration in terms of, of bringing war to life? How did, you, how did you guys come about his design? I mean, I know Joe drew it, but what, what were you guys looking for when you, brought him, when you brought him to life, basically? Well, I don't know if you've seen the original war, but it was a little bit... The very, very first war that Joe designed was a little bit real heavy fantasy, and then he did the, the more high-tech version. And then what we wanted to do with the, the, the incarnation, what we've currently got, is kind of get something which was, which was part of like many different types of warriors, like part barbarian, part samurai, part warrior, and just kind of mix them all in together. And that's kind of like the thing that Joe came up with, because we wanted him to look brutal and big and badass, but we wanted him to make him pretty nimble so he could kind of jump around the environment and, you know, and battle and stuff. And Joe just did a few sketches, and he just kind of hit it out the park after just a couple of attempts. So uh, that's pretty much what we've come up with now. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're pretty happy with it. Yeah, I particularly like the fact that while he was while his armor was very detailed and it was very big, I mean, I saw at least from from my personal opinion, I saw a little bit 
of, of, of Gears of War-style armor, you know, in, in terms of the presentation. But what I, what I particularly liked was the detail in terms of just the skulls on the armor, uh, the, the writing on his, on his blade. Uh, things of that nature made the character pop a lot. And I, wh- one of the things I wanted to ask you also was, in terms of the storyline, when you guys were crafting the storyline, was this something that you just pulled, you know, a little bit of, of biblical reference, or was it something that somebody had submitted to you guys? Um, pretty much the the. I mean, the only thing that we really pulled from the Book of Revelations is the fact that there are horsemen and, the, and the, there is an apocalypse, and everything after that was just your spin. It's you know, it's a comic book version of uh, an alternate tale using those characters as inspiration in that situation. So everything other than that, and maybe some names that might be used in different, um, you know, religious books here and there, for the, some of the angels and demons stuff. Other than that, there's very, very little religious uh, links with the game because we, didn't, you know, we didn't want to get into any bullshit arguments with anyone about uh, is this the right or wrong thing to do. We just wanted to make a fun game, you know. So we just thought it was a very intriguing background, and so it was a great jump-off point, you know. Uh, so, and that's kind of how it all came about, really. We just wanted to do our take. We didn't want to be tied down by anything. And, and, and pretty much there's no background or information on the horseman at all. So we thought, well, we can just make it all up. You know, we can just have fun with it. But that, that, and you know what? You guys did a, did a great job. One of the things that what, what I liked especially was the fact that it was very, very um, first-time player-friendly. Like, you know, sometimes there's a, a learning curve. And, you know, I picked up the controller and it felt like I've been playing the game, you know, for hours as soon as I grabbed it. And that's one of the things I enjoyed. You know, it, it engaged me. I mean, the design, it caught my attention first because, you know, when, you, when I walked in and saw the artwork, I was like, wow, that's really far out. That was actually the first, one of the first photos I took when I was at the con. And then as I made my way to the, to the booth, I was like, wow, this is, this is out of this world. <laughs> well, Han's got to take some, you know, Han was the art director, on the project, he worked very closely with Joe and kind of run with Joe's style. And basically, he was a guy who sat with a lot of the artists and went over what what made Joe style Joe style. So maybe you know Hank can jump in here and tell you a little bit about. Yeah, I was just yeah. Hayden's quite right actually. Um, a lot of Joe's stuff, he takes like an an idea and then he just improves on it. He just takes he just takes it up another several notches. So you might have your like regular type of demons and angels and whatnot, and it's. And he's not going to do your regular feathered type of angels. He's going to make them like super badass. He's going to do these incredible proportions and you know great silhouettes, so they really pop from the screen. And that, this is also important because there's several sequences where you see a lot of these characters um, coming at you on the screen, and it's very important that you actually see each one of these. And um, so yeah, you know uh, when Joe basically did all the designs, uh, he's doing all the kind of like the concepts, and we've got we have a concept department also. You know, this is all 2D stuff at this stage and all in, like, Joe's head. So it's our job to get that 2D stuff into 3D. And, you know, there's a lot lost in, possibly lost in translation. And this is where, you know, me and Hayden are both huge fans of uh, Joe from Hercules comic books and stuff like that. And, and you know, I totally, like, kind of, like, you know, in- integrally studied uh, Joe's uh, art style, you know, so I can translate it to 3D as best as possible. And, of course, we've got a, we've got a great team who, um, you know, who, who uh, you know, very, very picky, and uh, we're very, very, uh, you know, um, uh, um, su- subtle about the way we kind of put translate that to screen, and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, hopefully that came across, 
you know, in, in all the characters, the bosses, and including even down to like the the basic skeletons. Like, you know, we were very picky about the way the skull shape was because the way Joe does skulls is not like any regular skull. Um, it's definitely got a demonic kind of like you know super cool presence about them. So that was important. Even just getting Joe's skulls right was was pretty important. I mean, you know, uh, you know the. Uh, uh, if, if, you know, if I was to sum up some of Joe's stuff, he's got to have tons of skulls, spikes, and uh, chains. I think <laughs> a healthy dose of that. Yeah, I like I like the fact that the the skulls that were drawn, especially the, the you know the the shoulder skulls, were really detailed. And I, I like the fact, and and I'm knowing that you studied some of his work, I caught a little bit of of battle chasers in there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. I mean, a bit of the battle chasers. Well, I mean, Battle Chase is obviously like, you know, um, if you follow, you know, Joe's work, uh, you can kind of really see how he's kind of progressed from doing his uh, comic book stuff. And he's, you know, and we, you know, if you're a fan of Joe, you'll be familiar with the fact that he's, he's hugely influenced by uh, anime and, you know, a, lo- a lot of anime and manga type of stuff. And then he's kind of mixed the Western comic book art with that. And the biggest part is the proportions. And that's where some of the Battle Chasers stuff comes into it as well. And obviously he's got like a... A lot of his creatures and demons and stuff, you know, they're kind of like, they come from almost the same universe, but, but well, I guess they're coming from, like, Joe's head, so it's kind of like his kind of, like, universe. Um, and and as, as I said, it's going to be always his take on that type of stuff. And obviously, like, you know, there's, you know it, it's a great collaborative effort as well, because obviously, uh, you know, we're kind of concepting also, and we're putting a lot of ideas into it as well, you know. And it basically, it goes through, like, the Joe filter, and then basically, uh, you know, he's there overviewing a lot of the stuff as well. So we're there trying to make sure that it kind of fits, you know, uh, Joe's vision, uh, you know, of what he wants to see. So, um, yeah, I, I can see the fact that where the Battle Chasers influence can easily be, easily be seen. I mean, most of it's going to be in the proportions as well. Oh, absolutely. That's one of the things I noticed that when I look at it, I'm like, you know, he looks like one of the dudes. And then I thought about it, and then I said, yeah, but this can't be a game about that because, you know, I, I, I looked into it a little more as I was playing. I'm like, definitely something brand new. And um, I noticed that you guys, um, you, you know, you guys did a lot of work with the horse that war rides. And one of the things I was curious about was, are, is there going to be um, gameplay integrating the use of the horse or is he just going to be something that's more transitional where, you know, he rides in on him or from stage to stage or something like that? Is there going to be more so of a presence just because the horse design was phenomenal, especially from the, from just the way that the horse was, was drawn and all the detailing that went into it. You know, I felt that it would be a great addition because you don't see that often. Yeah. We actually have a, an entire section dedicated to using the horse. There's a, a couple of creatures that you can't kill on foot. Like there's, a, there's the Ashlands, which is made up of basically all the remains of, you know, the human race is basically scattered in this, this entire area and it's really thick and deep and war can't move very quick with it. And, is these huge like sandworms in there that you know can catch up to him. So he uses the horses like um, for speed to get away from these things, and he can use his gun to take these things out. But and we we have a quite a few sequences where you know the the, the horse is integral for for a war to accomplish you know some of his tasks. And obviously it's a really useful thing because when you've been playing the game for so long, just using the on foot method to get the horses and is you know it's a nice it's a nice feel that you can start to really explore the world and get to places you could never get to before that were out of reach and you know you know women can run faster can jump further plus you can kind of do moves specifically right off the horse and straight into combat you know you can jump off a building and summon him midair and sort of land on him so it, it also brings in a whole new element to not just the traversal but to the combat as well like when players are, are 
are fully tooled up in the game. They'll be using like primary we weapons, secondary weapons. They'll be using guns. They'll be using ruin, and all this stuff can be like inter in, interwoven at any point in the game, like seamlessly. So the the first thing that we we talked about was doing that. You know, horseman of the apocalypse. We've got to have a horse. You know, and that was of a course. bit <laughs> Yeah, cause we played the horse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we couldn't really get away with him like this. You know, running on foot with, on a hobby horse or something. But uh, to, so to get a proper horse in the game was was pretty hard because all our animators well they all want to do everything hand animated nothing is motion captured in our game except for the cutscenes so like working on the horse just getting it looking right and moving right was took us a long time we played a lot of games we went through obviously Shadow of the Colossus and we played you know some time with um, Twilight Princess and Epona and played like lots and lots of things like Gone a lot of different games with, with horses in it I think we we cracked it pretty well on ours ours feels different than all those and uh, really accessible. Like I said, you can kind of summon him and banish him at any point in the game, as long as you're in an open area, you know. We get a lot. It's re it feels really, really good because he's never a separate element, so he doesn't feel like he's just a, a tacton element. He, he, I mean, you you feel really, really good just just riding ruin, and uh, as well as you access him, and you know, you even he's not just he's also part of actually some of the combat. Like you 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 start uh, one of the sandworms or the ashworms. Yeah, you actually fight, uh, and you know, ruin's actually integral. Without ruin, you can't. You know, it's very difficult to defeat these guys. Uh, so you know, he's actually part of the, uh, the the mechanic that gets you into spaces and gets you like you know in front of them into like you know very strategic places, so you can actually go and attack these guys in their kind of like the weak spots and what have you. So, so he's actually he's actually very very uh, integrated into the actual gameplay. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, that was one of the things that caught my attention, you know, because I've seen a lot of the art, and, you know, I've, I've, I've been following it closely, you know, and like I said, I, I took a lot of photos, you know, um, uh, video cool. stills and things of that when we were at the con, and, you know, I, I really wanted to have the opportunity to speak to you guys before, you know, going, going hardcore to promote it, because like I said, as, as a comic fan and as a, as a guy who's, who's own, who owns mo some of Joe's work, you know, the presentation definitely got my attention and then the overall gameplay and the fact that you know you guys it's the the work that you guys put into it shows because like i said it, it was very Thanks. crisp considering it was just a demo you know and and it was very crisp it, i i thought it was actually a, a final product as, as as clear and concise as it was you know i mean we were working on it for quite a bit i mean even right towards the end and and you know you're at, you, in some ways you've kind of like honed the home bit on something there because a lot of the guys working on on the game are huge fans uh, of both both this style of artwork, fantasy, and actually you know games. So like you know we're like hardcore fans, and, and we and each one of us we're like hypercritical on every element. You know we'd be like talking to each other. You know from you know the the lead level designer from like Hayden, from myself, from like Joe and Dave, and and a lot of you know the the, the character character guys. We were all kind of almost like a kind of a weird Jedi council, you know what I mean? We're all kind of like, you know, you know, how can we, what can we do to make this even better? You know, and, and we were very honest with ourselves when something wasn't working. And I think having that honesty uh, and, you know, passion for the actual uh, game and what we were making and how much we were really into it, you know, it, it, that, that, that's kind of the product of that, of that, you know, a bunch of guys just getting together and really, really wanting to make this awesome game. Well, the biggest oh yeah, I enjoyed the fact that you guys were so passionate and it showed, you know, the presentation of the game was, was, was like I said, I thought I was playing already a final product, and I'm like, wow, this game won't be out till till 2010. And uh, in reference to your release date, were you guys hoping to get it in in time for the holidays? Because I'm more than sure this game would have, you know, especially with this holiday season, would would have done 
substantially well. I mean, is that something that you guys kind of, you know, it kind of burned you a little bit, or are you glad that you that your game is one of the first titles to hit in, in, in 2010 that's, you know, that's going to make an impact? Were you afraid that you'd be bringing it into muddy water? Uh, first, well, we, uh, we first did target around the in, in December, but um, uh, we thought the game wasn't quite ready where we were at the time when we were still sort of like tracking that release date in December. So then we was given a little bit of extra time, which pushed it very, you know, into the very start of January. And at the time, there was no one else releasing in January, so we thought, great, you know, we're a new IP, we're a new company, you know, uh, THQ's backed us really well. And we thought, right, we've got a good fighting chance, you know, we've got... We think we've got a really solid game, but you know, because we're a new company and because it's a new IP, we thought having a you know a clear uh, release month will be will be better for us, you know, uh, strategically. And then obviously there's been like three or four games now which have been pushed into January, so it's kind of like okay, well we're not exactly on our own anymore, so we've got to kind of duke it out a little bit. But uh, we really feel that. That's cool. We're okay with that. Yeah, we're, we're okay well, you know, yeah. you know, well, you know what, it was. Oh, sorry about that. I didn't mean to cut you off. What I was going to say was I, I, I was particularly concerned because, you know, I've been hearing that, that Bayonetta is coming out during the same time Darksiders is. Yes, it's actually released the same day in, in the U.K. Obviously, it's already out Sorry, in, in the U.S. Oh, shit. January. No, I, I know, and it's been, you know, it's got some, you know, flawless uh, reviews, and, and I'm going to get it myself. I'm, I'm, I'm a big lover of, like, Devil May Cry and the Platinum guys and what they did with, you know, Beautiful Joe and... And uh, Akami and all those sorts of games, so I'll be playing that game. So yeah, that that's pretty unfortunate. But we think the people who are going to buy Bayonetta are going to buy it irrelevant, you know, the DMC fans and everything like that. And we we definitely consider ourselves more in the action adventure genre. We're not up against like a full on brawler because that's not what the game is. We're more like Zelda with a little bit of Devil May Cry. You know, you know, it's got a good deep combat system, but it's also got a hell of a lot of adventure and traversal puzzle solving you know uh, like a really big story arc it's a pretty big game we're talking like 15 plus hours 20 hours so nice. we, we think we're we think we're just in a different bracket we're, we're hoping people will see that we are kind of very different than bayonetta but you know being being in the, being sort of matched like that is kind of a bit of a compliment to us you know like people think we're on the same level as that game with those guys but uh, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, you know, you guys, you guys can compete, man, a hundred percent. I mean, you know, if if you look at both games, both games, you know, are are presented well, you know, especially if you if you're playing these titles in high definition, you know, the intricacies and the hard work that you guys put into making War as well as Ruin and the characters so detailed, you know, it, it's one of those things that I see as being something beneficial, especially with the new era of technology that has that has come forth, especially with gaming, you know. Yeah, well, with with games like uh, you know, like Devil May Cry or um, you know, God of War or Bayonetta, I mean, a lot of those games have very restricted environments. They don't allow the player to control the camera. You know, on our game, the 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 worlds are huge, and you can look anywhere you want. You can go anywhere you want. You know, you're not restricted. And because we do that, we have to take a hit somewhere. You know, we can't do as much as those guys because they're, they're bringing the environment so they make everything smaller and tighter so they can put more detail and use all the textures in a very small amount of space where we just said, well, fuck this, we're just going to make it bigger, we're going to let you explore, we're going to let you look around and go around that object that you can see in the background that looks awesome, you can walk through it and walk around it, so we take a hit that way but we think the player gets a, a deeper experience with that, you know, he's got a lot more to explore, so you know, we, we take a hit but I think what with 
even though we've took Yeah, I think we give something back for that, though. I think there's definitely, uh, you know, as Hayden said, uh, we, you know, you're giving the, the player a lot more um, uh, the visibility and a sense of more free roaming, and you really feel like you're adventuring through these lands. You really feel like that you're exploring the world. You're getting the new weapons. You're getting the upgrade, and you're opening up whole new worlds. Which you, you know, there's areas you can see that you can't get to until you actually get your new gear items and stuff like that. So, you know, it it really is. There's there's different levels. There's there's places you come back. I'm definitely going to go and explore that area later. And you know, you know, you're not locked to the gimbal cam. And um, you know, again, both really, really good experiences. Both going to be going to give people um, um, a very different kind of you know enjoyment when they get their hands on there. So you know, I hope, you know, I, I think I think we've got a, a very good slot, and we you know we know we've got some competitive games coming out there also. And uh, you know, I think I think we're in there with uh, with with the best of them. Well, you know, I mean, me personally, I'm not, I'm probably just gonna walk in and buy them both. <laughs> That's how it's gonna work. But uh, what? I, what was that? I said I definitely agree with you. I don't blame you there for that. Oh well, you know what I was. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you was, um, and I don't know if you guys are at liberty to discuss, but how how is it looking in terms of, um, you know, downloadable content? Is that something that you guys? have worked on for the game or is that something that's going to be you know that really is is a non-factor um it's, it's something that we discussed uh we've still got no concrete plans right now um so yeah we, we're kind of keeping that stuff under wraps right now so we can't really talk about that nothing 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 okay. currently all right that's fine I, I respect that i mean you know it's one of those things where you know and and that's one thing that is is a gift and a curse where, um, you know, you get a great game and then the downloadable content, I don't, I don't want to say it nickel and dimes you, but it's not something that adds overall replay value to the game, especially on single-player campaign modes. Like, like one of the things I, I, did, I did hear was that there may be, you know, other um, additions to the armor of war. How, how legitimate that is, I, I mean, I'm not asking you guys to confirm that, but go ahead. There is a there is a there is another armor set that you can find in the game. Um, it's called the uh, Abyssum Armor, and it and it's pretty fucking badass. If you think the one that war starts with looks nice, the other one is just phenomenal. Yes. And it's it's absolutely yeah. crazy. It's what Joe Joe took took some time to. You know, yeah, we really designed this one proper. It's a it's a pretty nice armor set, and uh, and you know it comes a lot obviously with the. Um, you know, with a with a, a bunch of other stuff with it. So anyway, it's 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 one of those things we really yeah, it's what definitely we don't want to go too much into, and uh, should no, definitely <laughs> definitely well, found out. It's in the game basically. It's not downloadable content because you know it, it would have been easy for us to we could have quite easily just um, uh, just finished the game earlier and just chunked away part part of the game and gone right. Let's just do that as downloadable content. But to be honest. We worked our ass off right to the end just to get this game done, and we just thought this is the game that we've made. This is the game that's going out the door. We didn't hold anything back. We put we put everything into it. I mean, we've been yeah, we... for such a long time now. It's like it's hard to um, to realize that. Oh yeah, the game went gold yesterday. So <laughs> yeah, that's actually good news. That's very good news. PS3 just went gold. Yes, gentlemen. Thank you very much. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, as Hayden said, you know, really this the stuff we were putting in like. I'm not sure how many like gamers or game companies will be actually even putting stuff in it at the stage we were trying to do, and it's a big risk as well. But there were things that we felt, you know what, we have to have this stuff in there. We have to have this experience for 
uh, the players, and you know, it's kind of players making it for players. You know what I mean? So it'd be like, nah, dude, we can't do that. That's going to be lame. And so we're really kind of like, you know, pushing for things which we really were, um, really felt were going to give like that next level experience. You know, one thing that I that I like that you guys did was the fact that and and whether uh, whether you guys had that happen or not, I enjoy the fact that when you guys made it an action adventure game they didn't try and shoehorn in some type of multiplayer element oh no did that ever come up was that was that mentioned at any point to you guys like hey we got to find some way to put multiplayer in this or was it something where you guys firmly knew this was going to be a one-player game well when when i first joined vigil there was only like 10 people there very few people and we talked about the game and obviously it came up that it was a four horseman apocalypse it was based on them and i thought well you know four-player co-op seems like the, you know, the instant route to go, but when we looked at it and looked at how long, how long we got to develop the game, it was like, there's no way we're going to do this. We're a new company. We're still building our tools base, and we're just trying to do a, a single-player campaign, a, a multiplayer campaign, and everything like that, all on our first attempt with all, uh, on a new platform with new tools and everything. It just seemed like something... It's just too crazy. You know, we've been around the block a few times. We know that, you know, that just seemed like a goal that was too far. So we thought... Well, the first thing that we do then, we, you know, we get Darksiders going as an IP. We get people excited about what Darksiders is about. And then we build upon it from there and see if people would want something like a, you know, like a two-player co-op or whatever it might be. First, we're just going to get people into the game. And um, so we just wanted to focus on a great story, you know, plenty of game hours, you know, lots of fun with different items and just make sure that it was just a really good, solid single-player player game and that, that. You know, see, where, see where it goes from there. Well, one of the things that, you know, and, you know, somebody mentioned it to me, and you mentioned it just now in terms of four-player co-op, were you leaning towards having the players, each play as one of the horsemen of Apocalypse? Was that, was that where that was going? Sorry, what was that? Well, yeah, the, it, 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 yeah, the four-player four, four um, um, uh, co-op thing, that would have been what would have been the actual idea. Like, so each person plays one of the horsemen, and I'm sure that would have needed lots of balancing and what have you, because obviously between each of their individual you know, strengths and weaknesses and powers and whatnot, so you know, each one would have brought something to the game. So, yeah, each one would have played uh, one of the horsemen. That was yeah, one of the ideas. Awesome. That would that would have been awesome, and that would be something that you know, uh, I ho- you know, hoping of course that the, that the general public um, like is into the game as much as I am. That would be awesome to have you know four player horsemen uh, of apocalypse. To be honest, there's still a lot of ideas, a lot of things that we want to do. There's a lot of stuff we have to scale back on. There's a lot of stuff we, you know, believe it or not, there's a lot of stuff we you know uh, still on um, you know the table for us to kind of like toy with. And uh, you know, certainly these are all these are all very doable things, you know. And we've been thinking very hard about that. Some of this stuff. Well, the biggest compliment to me is that you just you went, you played the game, you instantly got it, and you enjoyed it. I mean, that's what that that, that makes me feel good anyway. And obviously, that it, you know, it's cool. And I'm sure Han's pretty happy about that, and Joe and everyone else is happy about that. But absolutely, you know, yeah. Those, I mean, one of those games where if you just see the videos and just see the combat, you don't really understand what the entire game's about, because we've shown a lot of combat, but we haven't shown, like, trying to show someone a, a 20 or 30 minute demo of someone solving a puzzle, or like, exploring and traversing, it's like, people just aren't that interested in that sort of stuff, they want to experience that themselves, you know, so, the big epic stuff, which is like, taking down the big ogre, and, and all this sort of stuff, and the big sandworm, and 
you know, fighting big hordes of guys with lots of different weapons, people can look at that and be like, ah, right, yeah, I get that, it's cool, but to kind of show adventuring and puzzle solving and things like that, it's, it's really hard to show someone in a very short demo time. You have to get your hands on it and play it for like an hour or so, and then you really get that this really isn't the game that you maybe thought it was. And uh, we think that's a good thing, because I think people are expecting one thing, and uh, they'll get something completely different, I think, when you actually... Yeah, I think people are going to be very, very surprised once they get their hands on, on the game. And it's it's totally going to be like um, um, you know a bigger experience than they actually first imagined. Uh, once you scratch that surface, there's there's a lot going on underneath that. Well, it was funny too because while I was playing it, you know, my wife walks by and she's like, "Wow, that game looks really crazy," you know, because she actually walked by when I was uh, using when War was grabbing one of one of the um, undead guys and crushing his skull. And it was cool because the the sound was was so well placed. Like you know, the, you guys didn't you, you guys didn't phone it in on the sound. It wasn't like like the zombie wasn't like Ugh! it was just like <laughs> like there was a crunch, you know. And that she was like, wow, that's that's really crazy. And then um, one of the guys that went with me, he was playing. He's like, wow, this game is is really cool, you know. So yeah, it, it was a, a group of us, you know. And we all we all reacted to the game differently, but it was all positive, you know. That's cool. That's good. I mean, we, you know, when we uh, we got like four sound guys involved, we had like two people involved externally for the music and one in, one internally. And I think we we've got over like two hours of music, like three hours of music, something like. That. We've got tons and tons of sound. I mean, we wanted to do everything that we we thought that we'd want from as a game player, right? So we got some pretty you know decent voice actors in there. Obviously, you know about Mark Hamill. He was the Watcher. And, and uh, we've got Vernon, who was in Mad Max. He plays Samuel, one of the demons, and Phil Lamar. I'm a big fan of Phil. He did uh, the voice to Bulgrim. You know, I don't know if you know Phil from uh, like Mad TV and stuff like that, but he, he's just such a good voice actor. He, he's very versatile. Yeah, he's absolutely awesome. And um, oh, I'd have to definitely, I'd have to hear the voice, and then I can usually uh, put the put a, a face to the voice. Yeah, I think he. Uh, I remember him doing like a really good impression of Chris Rock on on Mad TV. I don't really watch Mad TV, but I remember seeing him on there and doing that. He was also the voice of Samurai Jack. But he's he's done tons of stuff and he's he's ranged. That's where I heard that. Yeah. Okay. He's, he's yeah. Really good. So the Demon Merchant, who you see with the big huge horns and stuff, Volgrim, that that's Phil Lamar's voice. He's he's probably my favorite character in the game. And, uh, yeah, I liked yeah. him. He was he was really cool. He had that um he had the vibe like um the guy that sold stuff in uh Star Wars Phantom Menace, like he had that smarmy you That's know, right, yeah, he was the used car salesman guy. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was hilarious. He's like, Yes, I need souls. I'm like, Oh man, this guy looks like he's gonna be a just he's gonna be cool and just a pain in the ass. Like like he had the vibe like that and I was like, Yeah, this should be fun. Yeah, yeah we spent a lot of time on our cutscenes as well because, you know, the cutscenes, um, Joe actually was also involved in storyboarding the cutscenes. Obviously, you know, someone who does comic books, you know, storyboarding is just a natural uh, progression from that. And uh, we did a lot of, um, you know, feedback on, on those cutscenes. You know, we had, a, we had a really, really good team, uh, you know, of animators, uh, external and internal, you know, did a great job on actually animating all those expressions and bringing to life uh, some of the, you know, the... Um, the power of the voice actors, and uh, you know that, that's where we're getting some great performances. You know, there's a lot of cutscenes in games and stuff. You just want to say, okay, yeah, I get the idea, and you just want to flip by, flip by. But even when we were watching them, we were like, kind of laughing to ourselves. We were like, yeah, man, you know, and we were, like getting really into them ourselves. And uh, you know, as a developer, you get tired of some of this stuff. But every time we see a new render of it, we'd be like, come on, let's just go check this out. And it'd be like, 
and uh, you know it'd be it'd be entertaining for us, and that's kind of like you know that's kind of saying something. So as a whole, and when you see it in in, in conjunction with the game, it really feels like a complete cap, uh, package, and uh, well, really help. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Arm. Yep. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, but I was just reiterating that it, it, um, it you know really puts across uh, the complete package, and you know, and and the whole style, everything from going from uh, the game visuals right from the opening credit sequence, like the credit sequence starts as like this kind of really super cool 2D uh, preamble, which tells you about the history of time and you know how it kind of all started, and you know how the the forces of angels and demon, demons, you know, held this kind of like. Uh, truce for a while, and this breaks straight into our kind of like a, um, uh, a live motion cutscene, and then from that, from the uh, the UI elements, you know, going, you know, we try to make the um, the inventory very easily accessible as well. You know, all, all this kind of like graphical element, the graphical elements was more than just being, you know, really good to look at as well. You know, there were it's kind of information designed to help. You know, the, so the player isn't annoyed or frustrated to get to some of these things. You want to get to those things really quickly and you know, use them with ease as well. So there's a lot of thought gone into that also. So, you know, from the whole thing, you know, it, 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 when it came together, we were kind of like, wow, this is like really come together as a really, really cool, uh, cohesive kind of artistic and playable kind of package. And so we're, we're, we're especially proud of that. Um, it's definitely something that I feel, you know, it's a game that I want to play myself. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of games I've worked on. I'm like kind of, yeah, okay, I did that. And, you know, this this one I'm going to get especially proud of. This is definitely one of the best games I've worked on. Are you... One one thing I, I liked was that it transitioned so well from the uh, from from the storyboard from the cinema right into the gameplay. Like when you meet the merchant, and you know there's that little close cinema when he when he comes up and he puts his his hand on War's shoulder and he's like, hey, you know, you can't just walk off. And then it goes <laughs> boom right into the stage. I was like, that's cool because you know a lot of times, and I've seen this done with a lot of games. The cinema presentation is what they sell you on. And it always looks really nice and, and really pretty and cookie cutter. And then you play the game and it looks shitty. And it's one of those things that as a gamer, you know, you kind of get pissed off because you're like, hey, man, you guys put all this work into these cinemas and the game looks shitty. So, you know, that, that was a breath of fresh air. I'm like, all right. It, it, just, it just merged seamlessly right into, into the gameplay, which was great. I mean, we sweated over aspects of, like, even the compression to make sure the compression was good quality and make sure we had space on that as well. And we didn't want it to be, like, grainy or, like, like you said, kind of, it's, like, you know, crappy and not, not very nice because there's so much work gone into it, you know, framing the elements and stuff like that, you know. So we wanted to make sure that it also the quality came through pretty well. And the seamless stuff works is also one of our, um, you know, things that we wanted to really, really push to make sure that once you go into the game that you seem, you know, you go into, like, where war is and, you know, the, so, so the player's ready to, to sort of, like, you know, get straight stuck into the combat or whatever he needs to do. And so there was no jarring. You know, we were very careful that the, you know, that the player didn't be, wasn't facing an awkward way. Like once you, once you, the camera cut into the player, you were seeing the your, your objective, and you're actually seeing the the main uh, level, whatever he was going to be approaching. Um, you know, as a kind of like a, an establishing view. So he actually had a very very good idea of what he was about to do. And uh, you know, th these are all things which are on a microcosm were very very important to us. Because um, these are the things which you know obviously would uh, hopefully get us standing out from you know uh, uh, you know the rest of the products. Yeah, well we used to. We well, used you know what? I, oh, what was that guy, Hayden? I'm sorry. 
Uh, we we well we we didn't use like uh, full motion video either. We didn't use like CGI for every single cutscene. Nearly all our cutscenes, as you mentioned, you know, it looks like you go straight into the game because we use the game assets basically. So um, all the camera shots and everything are done in that world, in that game world. So it does seamlessly go back into the game. And um, one of the big things that we said that we wanted to do on Dark Siders was we never want the player to see a load screen. I mean, the only time you'll ever see a load screen is when you you know, load up a, a previous save game, but other than that, all the worlds load seamlessly, so there's never really a, a halt in the gameplay, you know, you're always going to the next bit, and you're not waiting around just for, you know, hitches in the game or whatever, there's always something to do or something to see, and there's never any hold up because of the loading, so. Oh, I like that, no load screens is always a plus. I also wanted to take the opportunity and congratulate you guys on, you know, being one of the first new IPs in a long time that's on the cover of Wizard. So kudos to you guys. All right. Yeah, that, was, that was awesome, yeah. I mean, uh, Wizard 21, that Joe's done the cover to it. It's, uh, yeah, it's another, yeah, it's, it's great. The fact that, the, you know, Joe's, I think that's his first cover in you know, a long time. It's many, many years. So when uh, he told me that he was going to do the cover to Wizard, and, you know, they're going to give Darksiders a cover, we just thought, wow, that's, that's awesome, you know, because uh, there's obviously a lot of comic book fans, a lot of people read Wizard, and, and uh, yeah, and obviously there's going to be tons of people who are big Joe fans who are going to be following the game, so knowing that we got the cover, yeah, we were all jumping around the office when we found that out. I mean, I haven't actually seen the, the, the one yet, but we know, we know the image that they're using, we just haven't seen the actual... The actual issue, yeah, we, yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, it's... Go ahead. Yeah, no, you're saying we, yeah, as Hayden said, we were, we were pretty excited. Whenever we get anything like that, you know, it's a real big, you know, it's a big team effort, and you know, and we, we all kind of get, get pretty excited about that as well because, you know, you know, we are, we are very, very, you know, I guess, very precious about the game, you know. So, uh, you know, uh, whenever oh, something, yeah, as you should be. Well, we troll all over the place. We go on forums. We check out what everyone's saying. Even people, are, you know tearing the hell out of the game, people who love the game and all the ones in between. We, we, I go everywhere. I'm always doing searches on it and looking on people's blogs. Yeah, Hayden's actually the guy, the guy who hooks us all up. And usually he's the first one to post something. He goes, hey, guys, check this out. There's something on 1UP or something on you know, uh, IGN. And then like, everybody's kind of reading it and then discussing it afterwards. You know, good, bad, everything, we're all absorbing it all totally. And it's all like kind of stuff that we're... Um, uh, very aware of some of the stuff we're we're aware of already, and some of the stuff that we're you know we're glad that people are picking up on like because there's definitely a shift now, uh, you know where it's first of all you know being you know associated with like kind of other games or the style of games and whatnot, and now people are starting to kind of I, I, they 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 see the difference in it, they can see that it's actually there's more to it, uh, which is actually very exciting for us. Oh, that you know what's funny, and uh, you know. Um, it, one of the things that I do a lot on my show is I give I give GameStop a lot of shit, <laughs> of, 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 of various of various things, of various things, and you know the I the fact that I have to go in there and give them my money because you know you get the pre-order comic book with the game and stuff, you know it, it doesn't hurt me as much, which is good because that actually shows you know I I care I care about the game and I'm willing to take one for the team that you know to play the game you know because that's one of the things that you know, ex exclusivity is always good, but the fact that, you know, you guys are, you know, you're going through Wizard, Wizard is, re is, is read by thousands of comic book fans, it's seen in comic book stores nationwide and bookstores nationwide, you know, it's getting that IP out there, and on top of the fact, you know, it's a great service that there's a, a, a comic actually, you know, coming with the game, even if it's just through GameStop, because I'm more than sure the comic is going to give you a little bit more about war, which, you know, is a great setup to play the game. I'm more than sure you guys were excited about that as well. 
Uh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, to, for us, you know, there's so much story with war, you know, and, you know, um, obviously the game covers a certain aspect of it, but there's loads of backstory that goes with each character, which we really wanted to somehow get out to, um, you know, the player. That, I mean, there, there's, a, like I said, there's a real depth to the fiction. You know, we really thought about lots of little aspects of, like, you know, other aspects of Volgrim and, you know, the horsemen and, and you know, the, the council and the, the basic packs that were going on at the time because there's a lot of backstory going on while the main part of, um, you know, the whole apocalypse is going on and War's getting his revenge and finding out what the hell's going on. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, to, to give another format for the player, you know, and who, you know, who might be interested in that type of fiction, you know, that gives him a whole bunch of, you know, another backstory which is kind of like fun to know about. Well, the good thing about the comic is actually it shows you a small insight into the horseman as well. You get a you get a look at strife and and fury and death, obviously. So, nice. Uh, people can see them on the pages and kind of get get to know a little bit about their character and what you know what they're about. And I think that's going to be pretty exciting to see that up front and very vividly, uh, you know, very early on. Well, in terms of merchandising, have they started coming at you in terms of you know wanting to you know have like you know, an action figure of war or anything of that nature? We've, uh, we, we've always wanted it as a thing because we're just big fans of war and we just want to see war and ruin and trauma from the creatures. We want, we want models of everything, but uh, feasibility-wise, at the start, obviously, uh, model companies are a little bit worried about, like, just going out and doing so many runs of a, a model without a proven IP. You know, I think as Dark Side starts to gather a little bit of momentum and starts to get a bit of interest, we can definitely see now that you know there are people sort of turning heads and looking our way, and possibly there might be some models being done down line. But initially, no, no one was interested. It was like, eh, these kind of it's a really cool character, but it's not a proven IP. We don't know if it's going to sell. So, I mean, me and Han were even thinking about just like doing our own little run of uh, a couple of models ourselves and just paint it out of our own money just so we could have one. So, uh, the yeah, you're awesome. The team, and, yeah. Oh, and it's actually possible these days, well, because like we have the ZBrush models and what have you, and there's um. Uh, ZBrush actually has uh, an app that talks to 3D printers. Like that's the way a lot of the models are done these days. And uh, you know, it's possible to do that. It's just like the cost of the exercise. I mean, we even toyed with the idea because I actually, I mean, I sculpt myself as well. And uh, I was thinking of like just doing a sculpt, just a one-off myself. And you know, it's, it's just an idea we're still talking about. So, um, but there, but there has been uh, from from our marketing point of view, uh, some mentions of doing limited runs of figures and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's still just talk about it yet, so we'll have to just see how everything progresses, and then, you know, you know, who knows? Maybe you'll have your own uh, war figure one day. Yeah, well, there was yeah a- I wouldn't mind that. PS2 <laughs> did a very small run. I think you might have seen one at Comic-Con. There was like a, a 10 foot tall, uh, ten inches tall one behind a glass box. I think they, they did a, a very small run of them, and I think they're actually raffling one off in some sort of competition as well, don't they? That's already gone. But they did do a very small run of just a couple of war, war models. And uh, we're actually just waiting for our Chaos Eater models, actually. The big sword that war wields, we've all got, uh, well, a big chunk of us at work have ordered some replicas, and they're, like, nearly four foot tall. So we're going to be, like, running around smacking each other back of the head with, like, replica swords <laughs> sometime in the new year. So uh, any excuse to run around an office with a big sword jumping off, you know, balconies and stuff and, you know, knifing people in the back. Any excuse we can do that. It has to be done, man. It would be rude not to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, very, it's, it's a great stress relief for sure. Yeah, there's nothing like taking um, out an an unaware opponent. (laughs) (laughs) What was that? I said it's always good fun taking out uh, an opponent who's unaware of your position. What is going on with the audio tonight? (laughs) 
It's crazy. I'm I'm on like a, a cordless phone, so it's not great. So uh, yeah, I, I figured. I'm like, I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> My cheap crappy. Well, phone. I want. I wanted to ask you also. You know, I had seen um, and and there's that Hayden. I had seen your resume, man. I saw that you had done uh, some work on Fifty Cent Bulletproof oh, and. Uh, Mortal Kombat 3, you know, you've had a Maximum Carnage, which is one of my one of my favorite games, so you've been around, man, you know, um, ju- just um, to, to not jump off too, too off of Darksiders, you know, how was it working on, on, on the 50 Cent game? Uh, that was a very interesting product to be working on, uh, and it's, it's actually a dark part of my career, but, um, you know, it sold a, it sold a crap load, and, uh, you know, obviously being able to Work with Fifty was kind of interesting. We didn't meet him personally, but you know, executive producer would relay information back and forth. I mean, that was interesting. You know, I, I actually was a big hip hop fan. Not not such a big fan of Fifty himself, but when I got told when I first moved over to the states that I'd be working, on, I thought, oh, okay, look, that that sounds like that would work. And uh, you know, obviously knowing that Eminem and Dre would be involved was just you know friggin' awesome. So I was like, yeah, I mean, this sounds good. Uh, but it, it was kind of like it was a development process with. Uh, a lot of pitfalls, there was a lot of problems, you know, team got, you know, cut in half, the development time got shifted down and everything, it was, it was real unfortunate, because we had big plans for that game, but it was one that we just had to get out quickly when the movie came out and everything, but it was definitely an experience, you know, to get to hear all the Charmony uh, XL original tracks, because he's uh, the producer for a lot of uh, 50 Cent tracks, and being able to be involved with that, and, you know, writing lines that Eminem and Dre would be saying was awesome, because I wrote most of the most of the dialogue for the uh, in-game guys who were running around, I wrote a lot of the dialogue for that. So being, hearing those guys, you know, saying those words that I'd written down was was absolutely awesome, and that, that was cool. And plus, I got a uh, what was it now? There was I got a Vibe magazine, I think it was, with Fifty Dre and Eminem on the cover, and they all signed the cover for me. So I thought that was kind of cool. Oh, nice. So uh, that, that was fantastic. That, yeah, that's something that I'm gonna I'm gonna frame and put up. I'm pretty happy with that. So that was kind of cool. So yeah, it was your track record is definitely. Oh no, go ahead. Sorry about that. Uh, no, this is saying it was definitely an experience working on that project. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that you, you know, I, I was looking through, you know, your 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 resume of titles. I noticed that you 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 have a, a lot of comic work under your belt. You know, you had the Wolverine game, you had the two Spider-Man and Venom games, uh, Mortal Kombat a little bit. You know, you can go uh, a few different ways, but um, you you definitely like. It's it's easy to enjoy working on the comic stuff. Is it something just because you know your creative juices flow more freely versus something like you know Fifty Cent Bulletproof, which is you know fantasy based but still within the realm of reality? Yeah, well, comic books are awesome. I mean, you know, there's 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 no limit to what you can do with a comic book unless you're working with a specific franchise. But even then, the, the world is so awesomely fantastic. You know, it gives you lots of possibilities of what you can do in the game. I mean. You know, working on the Spider-Man stuff was great fun. It was, like, one of the last games I actually drew any graphics for because I was an artist back in the day. So, you know, doing graphics on that game was, was good fun. And then me and Ham worked on Wolverine together. You know, I set up a company, and, and Ham was one of the guys who started it all with me, and we, you know, we created the Wolverine game. And, and that was that was good fun. Again, we worked with Mark Hamill on that game. He was the voice of Wolverine in that game. He did a frigging great job on that one as well. And just because we're big fans of Wolverine, you know, Instantly, when we found out that we were going to be doing that as our next project, we we were just so excited because we were big comic book fans, we were big Wolverine fans, and you know, being able to work on something like that, uh, uh, and you know, an IP based on Wolverine was, you know, that was an absolutely awesome experience as well. 
Uh, yeah, it was kind of on the Wolverine project. Not again, not to go back on the dark side. Is um, like Hayden said, we both worked on that uh, Wolverine game. I was the art director on that also. And uh, the, our style that we really wanted to do, the, the, believe it or not, the guy who were most interested in comic book style at that time was Joe Madeira. So you know, we really wanted to get him on board at one point you know, to actually help us do some of the concepts and the ideas for it. And uh, we were working with Activision at the time, and that wasn't possible. So really, I went away and, and, and concepted a lot of stuff, kind of like you know, influenced by his style. You know, the Wolverine that we wanted was, our favorite Wolverine was the Wolverine that like Joe would draw, and a lot of the characters we made, we made up a bunch of characters also, and um, so and the and the funny story is when you know uh, it was Hayden who actually introduced me to Vigil and I kind of started like a little while after he had started. He said, "Dude, you never guess who's working here." And I said, "I, I said who?" And he said, "He says Joe Mann." And I said, "Oh my God, yeah, I got to totally work with that guy." And then I actually asked him about the Wolverine game and he goes, "Yeah, I was down one E3 once and they were showing on a screen." Uh, they were just demoing like the Wolverine game, you know, and uh, he goes, yeah, I saw this kind of Wolverine guy. I was like, wow, that, that kind of reminds me of kind of like how I would draw Wolverine. And so I was kind of like part, part, partly embarrassed, partly kind of um, kind of overjoyed. The, the flyer, they actually recognized something that, you know, it wasn't that awful that you actually could say, oh, yeah, I can kind of see where, you know, you're kind of influenced by by that stuff, so it was kind of it was kind of good and and embarrassing at the same time. But it was it was it, it was a very good experience. So we, we we thoroughly enjoyed working on that game. That's awesome. But um, yeah, I had you know I was looking at, at your body of work, you know, and I, I go to uh, Hayden's website often just because it's um I have it linked to mytakeradio.com. So you know I, I always get to see what he's posting. And when I when I was you know, working on trying to get you guys on the show. I was looking at, you know, the body of on at Hayden's body of work, and I'm like, wow, he's 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 jumped around, you know, into into some, some so a lot of stuff I've played, you know. So it was, it was pretty amusing. <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit of an old man now. One of the older guys at Vigil, so uh, you know, they they go easy on me. You know, I can I can rough it with the younger ones, and uh, <laughs> you know, we, we have a good laugh. There. And you know, the people say, oh yeah, I remember playing Double Dragon, you know, on the Amiga or whatever it was, or I played like Mortal Kombat, and like you said, you know, Maximum Carnage was a favorite for a lot of people in the SNES. It sold like, it sold over, I think over a million units or something like that. It did pretty well on the SNES at the time, and uh, that was a real popular one. So uh, it, it's funny when people say, I remember when I was just out of college or I was just in school and I was playing that game, I'm like, wow, I was, I was been working in the industry that long. <laughs> but uh, it's always good for me. <laughs> what? Hey, it's nothing wrong with that because you know what? You get to, you get to tighten up your game and hone your craft. So, you know, even though you're looking at it like, oh, I'm an old man, you, you end up, you know, you, you end up taking those experiences and, and they influence, you know, making, making Darksiders a tight game because you probably picked it, picked apart every project you've done. And I'm like, all right, if I were playing this game again, what would I not want in it? You know? So, you know, the, the labor that you guys have put into the game shows, you know, and I, and I anticipate that the game is going to do well, especially, you know, THQ, of course, is, gonna, is, is hopefully going to do right by you guys and, and, you know, push the game hard, you know, especially with, a, you know, TV and, and print. Yeah, they've actually started getting some, there's actually TV adverts out there. We've got some running on um, G4 and Sci-Fi, ESPN, and uh, one more comedy channel. You know, they, they've been running quite recently over the last, like, two weeks. They're basing it on the This Is Your Last. Halloween, they did one for Halloween, and they just done one for Thanksgiving. Yes, I saw that one, the, the last Halloween one I did see. All right, yeah. 
Yeah, so they're obviously keeping on with that theme, which we kind of like. And, you know, they're ramping it up now. The new Hellbooks have just come out. Uh, it was actually on the second Hellbook now, which is Wars Arsenal. So they started pumping out more videos now. And, you know, hopefully they can keep that, that media train going and keeping the interest up. Because, you know, people's interest now, you know, it's coming near Christmas. You know, people's you know thoughts are going to be all over the place. Hopefully we can keep that excited in the mind. And, you know, people will keep those vouchers and things that they get, all that spur cash that they might get at Christmas time. And, hold back for January, that first week in January they can go off and uh, off to the stores and buy their, their copy of Dark Siders. Well, you know what, I think that definitely the Wizard the you know, Wizard's supposed to be on shelves January 6th, but you know, usually you'll see it during the month of December depending on, on the retailer that has it so, you know, anybody who picks up Wizard and gets to read the feature on the game is definitely going to, you know, that, that definitely I, I see impacting and definitely motivating them to buy it for sure. Yeah, well, yeah, if we can get get some Wizards out in December, that'd be great. And I think we've actually got a couple of reviews, reviews that'll be hitting around the December time, and I think people are going to be pretty happy with some of them that hit. Um, so, yeah, we're going to be sort of like sitting back now. We've been given the month of December off, because, again, the proof we're all done. They've given us a nice month off work, which was good as Vigil and THQ to give us that time off. So now we're just going to sit back. The game's going to go off and get manufactured now, and it'll get all distributed to all the stores and stuff in early January. Then we can... In December, while we've got the time off, we can start, you know, looking at the reviews and picking up the magazines and reading the internet and see what the vibe's going to be like. So that that's always a very exciting time when a you know a game's released and then people give their honest opinions about what they think about the game, you know. So it's going to be it's going to be the next two months are going to be a very interesting time for us. And then we're just about to move in new offices when we go back. We're vigilantly moving into some big new offices as well. So it's kind of like wow. a nice clean sheet, uh, a clean sheet for 2010. And uh, it's pretty exciting stuff ahead. Well, in terms of doing your, your research, when you guys are doing your research in terms of what, how people are reacting to the game, are there instances where you read the stuff online and you go, this person doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about? Like, do you guys get, you know, <laughs> does it get under your skin a little bit? Like, I'm more than sure, you know, because it, it, it's, it's your labor of love. It's like, you know, I do this show, and, you know, I go and I, I read what people say, and, you know, I get, I get my, my, my share of emails, so I'm good. You know, I've got... Yeah. If I could just say something on that, um, basically, you know, and the thing is, of course, we're, you know, this is kind of our baby, basically, and, you know, we, we work like... Don't call your you baby know. ugly, man. You've got to say, you know, you're going to get yeah. angry, right? Yeah, it's, it's an astronomical, you know, effort we put into it, but that you, you develop a thick skin. I mean, to be honest, some of, our, some of the worst critics are, are us, ourselves. So we, we're oh, so yeah, harsh on... If you were ever in one of our memes, you'd be going, ow, man, oh, that had this thing. Because you, it, one of our favorite, favorite phrases is epic fail. And uh, it's like, <laughs> if we see something and we're like, dude, what the hell? Epic fail. And so, like, you know, we have to go back and fix that stuff. And, you know, and it's like, you, you need to develop a thick skin. So there probably isn't anything that the, anybody on the forums can probably throw at us that we haven't already thrown at ourselves. Well, so it's during development. Forums, which is the word meh. But well, there's been so many guys, <laughs> he'll just turn up on some fucking random forum. People are going, yeah, this is so awesome. This is oh, no, man, don't big the meh guy up now. And that's all he'll post. And I'm sure they just got some meh guy. He just goes out there, and that's all he does for a job. He just Dude, you just, gave, you just gave the meh guy some radio time, man. You don't want to give that meh guy some radio time. Yeah, I'll hunt him down and kill him, so whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah, it, it, it is, you know, it's one of those things, and, you know, I... And I have to agree with you. If if you're gonna say meh, then at least back it up with something credible. At least say, well, you know what, meh, just because 
the story wasn't engaging or the character wasn't engaging or I really didn't feel drawn to, to the title or I didn't like the way the IP was developed. But to do, give, you know, some ass-backwards contrived answer uh, that's one word to justify, you know, your opinion on a game is totally baseless. And I find it to be, you know, offending to the body of work and just bullshit in general because it's like, look, you know, it, it, back up your claim. That way at least, you know, if somebody's reading it, they go, oh, okay, I see why he doesn't like it. You know, and you guys might take it into account and be like, you know, we never looked at it like that. But, you know, that one word shit is just crap. <laughs> yeah, I think, that, I think you're always going to get people like that who just create their own kind of um, – I'm, I'm gonna. I'm. Oh, you guys are all saying something cool. I'm gonna be the controversial guy, and I'm gonna say this, and that's fine too. You know, because that sometimes that's that that person's. Uh, you know, uh, the thing they look forward to in life. So that's fine. You know, good for them. <laughs> we know that you know not everyone in the world is gonna love Darksiders. We just hope that most people in the world love Darksiders. I mean, that's what we want more than anything. We don't think everybody's gonna love it, but we think a good proportion of people will. People who just like playing games, who love Castlevania, who love Metroid and Zelda and stuff like that. They're going to love our games because we, we, that's kind of what it's like. It's kind of like Soul Reaver. It's kind of like all these games that have, you know, items, backtracking, using gear, you know, like the world's opening up and getting larger and larger. That That's the sort of kind of game that we're going for. I mean, we love those sort of games. We, we got brought up playing those sorts of games. And we're just doing it again. I mean, Darkside is definitely a games game. It's not pretending to be like a, a, a piece of, like, epic cinematography or anything it's a game and it doesn't pretend to be anything other than that and people just have fun i think people are going to say this feels a little bit like old school but it, it looks new you know and um hopefully it'll take it back to when they were kids and they really loved something they can they can they can latch onto that and say yes this just feels like a nice throwback you know are you but concerned yeah. with mainstream media jumping you know like you know, on the, uh, jumping on the success of the game, and and before you know it, you're you, you're gonna start getting that call like, hey man, we want to make a movie. Like, are you concerned about that? Because, are, you know, it, it's you know, and just like Han said, you know, it's something where collectively it's your baby, and you don't want to see it bastardized by the industry. Is that something that you guys have kind of considered? Like, hey man, what if this thing gets this big? How are we gonna handle it? Have you have you guys you know thought that far ahead, or are you just going you know day to day with it? Well, we we always knew that you know Darksiders as a as a as a franchise would be very interesting to comic books, to film, you know, to statuettes, models, whatever. We always because it it's just a, a fascinating subject matter, right? So we always knew that it was something that would be very profitable in those areas. And you know, we have thought about it, we have talked about it. You know, Joe's got a good you know head and shoulders, and so is THQ and the guys at Vigil. So we, I think we'd be strong opinion of, of who would be involved in something like that if it did come to light I mean nothing's come up right now but um, it wouldn't surprise me you know if the game does really well and you know gets good ratings sells a lot you know uh, it's obviously going to become something like a viable market you know uh, option so um, I can definitely see that coming up in the future but no, like I said there's nothing nothing right now oh alright well well, while I have you on, I, I, I'm more than sure that some people are going to want to call and talk to you guys. If either of you, if anybody out there wants to talk to Hayden and or Han, you can call 347-324-3541. And I believe we have our first caller, actually. Oh, God. Caller, you're on the air. What's up, man? Hey. There you go. What's going on, Slick? Uh... I wanted to ask these guys because, like you said, we got to play the game at Comic-Con, and 
you know, I love that sword because I'm all about giant weapons and just beating the crap out of everything in sight with it. <laughs> I don't know if you can talk about it, but if you can, like, what other weapons can we look forward to in the game? That's one for Hayden, man. Uh, well, Hayden, uh, what type of weapons can we look forward to in the game? Oh, it looks like Hayden's um, obviously uh, not not quite. I don't know if he's uh, having problems with his audio. Um, there's a lot of other weapons there, actually. Uh, I mean, the sword itself actually has quite a few upgrades. And uh, so, you know, you'll be able to get a lot of different properties and a lot of different kind of like upgrades on that, too. Um, there's a whole collection of gear items that you can also get as you progress through the game. Um, you know, there's, a, there's, a, there's an amazing crossblade. Uh, cross, cross uh, there's a what we call the ghost hook item, which basically allows you to traverse from like, you know, um, you know, from like chasms and like large objects and even draws you towards certain higher points that you can't get to before. Uh, and as I said, the, when you gather these uh, gear items, uh, you know, back into your arsenal, uh, it'll take you to different aspects of the world and the levels that you couldn't previously get to. Um, uh, there's a, a mask of shadows, which you also get at some point deeper in the game. That's actually quite near close to the game. And uh, that actually reveals uh, chests and items and even like bridges and things that weren't previously av available to you. Uh, so it, it, it really, really, really uh, um, opens up the world for you. So there's, you know, so there's not just aggressive weapons, there's actually passive weapons and things as well that you can use as well. Um, I believe also there's a scythe as well, which also does like a ton of damage, uh, obviously, you know, in, in the right hands. Um, uh, then there's also, you know, various other um, uh, powers you can kind of uh, do. Like uh, one of our favorites is uh, Blade Geyser, which obviously does like a massive amount of damage to. Uh, it's an area of effect kind of um, um, a weapon. So um, yeah, so there's, there's a lot of others as well as the Chaos Eater. Very nice. I like that that mask that you were talking about. That sounds like a great little addition if you can, like you know open up the same place you've been to and show you things that you didn't even know were there. That's great. Um, is the game going to be like, are there going to be like levels like you, you go to a certain area, you beat the crap out of everything, and then you go to another area, or is, it, is everything connected? Like you, you mentioned that with things like that mask, you might go back to an area you played before and find, you know, new new items and new areas you couldn't access before, but is it like, is everything seamlessly connected? Like, let's take the example of, like, Batman Arkham Asylum. Everything was on a, a single island, and you always could, you couldn't always get everywhere, but everything was there. You could always see the entire game world. Is it something like that? Um, it's definitely connected in a kind of way where basically we have, we do have a chronicle, we have a map and you can kind of see where all the areas that you have been to, the areas that you, you're going to travel to. Um, and there's other ways to get to uh, these places as well. Like for example, you can travel much faster on Ruin. Once you get hold of Ruin throughout the game, so suddenly all these areas you were on foot, you can now suddenly charge through them on Ruin. Um, so that definitely gives you much faster access through the game as well. So there is a coherent path through the whole thing, but there's also a free roaming. We have these hubs where you can actually free roam also, and um, you know they're a lot more, a lot more, a lot more freer for you to actually um, adventure, explore, and find puzzles and whatnot. And obviously, there's also 
Yeah, so uh, there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff. There's actually some of the stuff which I'm kind of debating whether to actually even mention because uh, they're like, trust me, they're very, very super cool things which get you around uh, the levels and whatnot, and, and it's a very, very cool way of getting there. Once you get this ability, it's, it's pretty cool. I kind of don't want to mention it just now because I don't want to have a spoiler here, uh, but it's very, very cool. Not a problem. Like, like I said, if you don't think you can talk about it, don't talk about it. I'm just asking about what you're talking hey, thanks. about. I appreciate that. I mean, you know, there's people out there who want to play it, so I don't want to kind of spoil it for them. So, um. yeah. Well, to answer your question, all the areas are connected. It's all seamless. There's no load times. Uh, things that you can see in the background you can get to. And, uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's all sorts of reasons to kind of come back through areas you've previously been through, either like because you've seen things that you can't get to and then you're using new abilities or... Um, there's just creatures that you couldn't kill at the time, which you didn't have the right, you know, weapon for, or whatever that you come back and, and you kill them. Uh, so there's, there's like tons of different reasons why you could uh, backtrack to different areas, or even just go back to dungeons that you've kind of cleared out. You want to go back because you, you missed all the items that might be in the dungeon or whatever. So just in, you know, if you're one of, one of these people who likes to just find everything, there's uh, we we're pretty sure that anywhere where people think there might be a secret, there probably is a secret. We've got lots of things kind of stashed around the world. I like to hear that. I mean, normally in games, at least for me, the word backtrack has been a bad word. But from the way you're explaining things, it seems like there's going to be reason to go back, and it's not going to feel tedious. And as long as you can make it, you know, not feel tedious, then it's not going to be something as a problem. Yeah, well... Ruin is the horse, right? Yeah, yeah, you get ruin a... um a few hours into the game, so the, there is something that we do incorporate into the game pretty early on to um, to um, reduce um, your time backtracking so it's not as much of a slog as what it might be normally if you just did it on foot. Um, but that's what that's what Han's alluding to, basically. We just make it easier for people to... Because it's like a central character in the game. It's called Samuel. He's this big demon that you um, free from prison quite early on in the game, and he gives you all the backstory, what you need to, to get to the tower, to get to the destroyer, and kind of find out what's going on in the apocalypse. So he's kind of like a person you keep returning to, and every time you go back with a, a new item for him, he gives you a new ability, and this new ability gets you to a new, new area. So when you're actually going back to, to him, it doesn't feel like a chore, because you're going back, you've got to get another major item. It's like a big goal. So you know every time you go back, your player's got to advance in some way again. So there's always like a nice cool carrot at the end of it because you know once you've got that you can see that area and you've got that item and you can get to it so then the world's always open up that little bit more so you know we start off relatively channeling the body and then then we open up the the world you know Uh, I just wanted to ask one more question Uh, it's about ruin like is ruin mainly for transportation or does the horse also like have like like, is it like a, a weapon in some ways? Yes, ruin. Um, you can um, basically when you charge on ruin and you, you can jump on him, jump off him, and use him like a battle ram, and he'll like just clear through enemies for you. Plus, when war's on top of ruin, he does like four or five times the amount of damage because basically they're they're kind of like a unit, right? So when you're re- reunited with the horse, your sword and your your damage upon the horse be- gets like tripled. So you, you're like really devastating when you're on the horse. And then obviously you've got the, not just the speed for the traversal, you have also got the speed because it can jump further so you can get across gaps that you couldn't get across before. And you can also leap off his back to get higher to places where you couldn't get to before. So like you can, 
you can run really fast, dash off a ledge, jump off, ruin, then go in, then use your, you know, your shadow flight wings and then get across a gap you could never get across before. And um, so, yeah, it's not just for, like, getting from A to B. We definitely wanted it to be, like, you know, cohesively kind of tied into the combat and, like, everything that War did once he got ruined as, as an ability. Okay. I'm definitely looking forward to this. Uh, like I said, I played the first few levels of the game, and, I mean, I got to the point where you meet the, uh, the demon you were talking about, and he sent me on my first quest, and I think that was about the end of the demo, so I'm definitely looking forward to seeing more about about the game. And I right. wish you guys the best of luck. Thanks a lot, man. Thank, we appreciate it. Thank you very much, man. We appreciate that. Yeah. No problem. Enjoy your holidays, too. Thank you, you too, too, mate. Too. Rich, right, I'm going to let you get to the next caller, right, man? Thank you very much, sir. All right, later. All right. All right. Got another one for you guys. Caller, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Hey, how you guys doing tonight? We're doing good. How you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, this is Hyena, uh, by the way. Uh, from oh, what's up, Chicago. What's up, dude? Um, I'm kind of curious to know. I mean, like, when you guys were going through production, did it ever, you know, feel that sometimes you bit a little bit more than you could chew? Most certainly. Yeah, I mean... Completely. I mean, I've been involved with a lot of games in my time, and you know, some of the things that we were trying to do on Dark Side is we have actually cut quite a few things out of the game to get it done on time. But when we was kind of partially through, we were thinking, God, we're trying to do like this complex traversal. We're trying to do this deep combat system. We're trying to do all this adventure in a huge world. We've got to stream it all in. We've got to do you know all these different gear items. Like you probably know now that we've got like a portal gun in the game, and we've got like a you know the um, the abyssal chain, like a you know, like a hook shot, you can grab onto things and move around. I mean, some of the stuff that we've done, like some games, just base their entire game around that one item that we've got in the game. We've got several of these items, and uh, so yeah, we was like, like I'd say about halfway through the game, we kind of sat back and thought, shit, this is <laughs> this game is huge. We're we're trying to we're trying to do too much, but as we just started whittling away and getting one more thing out of the way, it was like, right, what, let's let's just hit the next one and keep going until we think we can't do any more, and then anything that we don't, we'll just We'll just put it to the side and maybe we'll get back to it later. But, uh, yeah, it was very daunting because, you know, this, this is, there's a, definitely a reason why people don't do games like this because it's fucking hard work. You know, there's a lot of stuff involved. There's lots of different mechanics, lots of different tech issues we had to blow through on all the on both the consoles and everything. And um, so, yeah, to, to answer your question, basically, yeah, it, it was pretty ruining. We did think we had actually, you know, a bit off too much. But in some ways, I just want to add to Hayden's uh, answer there. In some ways... That kind of, um, you know, uh, sort of adventurous type, you know, we've we got to do this. We've got to try and make this um, actually helped us, you know, get further on some ideas, which perhaps we might have just kind of, kind of shied away from or, or, you know, or gotten scared because we simply can't do them. We definitely didn't shy away from them. And, you know, if you want to call that biting off more than, you know, we, we can chew, uh, we, yeah, we definitely did that. Um, but in some ways, a lot of the stuff came to fruition, as well as us, you know, not doing some of the stuff uh, because, you know, it's very ambitious, but there's a lot of stuff that did actually get done because we were brave enough to actually attempt it. And, uh, you, know, um, and you know, and a lot of that stuff's in there, you know, and, and we, you know, it, look, it looks really good. It works out really well, plays very well. It's balanced very well. It, it looks great. And, uh, you know, and so there's, uh, there were successes for actually taking that approach. Um, uh, but, yeah, definitely. 
Okay. I, I like how you, you know, tossed in, uh, you know, you, you know, you guys are brave enough to toss a couple things because I noticed, uh, you know, especially nowadays, there's not enough risk, you know, being put into, like, the design of a game. You know, like, yeah. something that's, like, so innovative, they're just kind of, you know, a lot of developers are kind of afraid, like, I think this is just a little too crazy. I think I think we definitely got very lucky here because uh, THQ definitely gave Vigil you know an opportunity to uh, you know really shine in that aspect as well and, and and you're absolutely right there's a lot there's a very there's a lot of safe formulas and there's a lot of things that people want to try which are brand new you know and yeah they can flop and uh, we definitely um, want to attempt a couple of things which you know we had obviously we were like can we actually do this well uh, you know I can't believe we're actually going to do this and then we would try it and then you would prototype it. You know, and then everybody gets on board, and we, you know, we really go for it. You know, when we go for it, we really go for it. You know, 110 percent. You know, and then, and you know, and we were, we every time we, you know, we were even surprised ourselves that some stuff was coming through and working itself out really, really well. And you know, it just kind of gave gave us more and more of a, you know, impetus to to continue to work that way with that kind of sense of like, we want to make something cool and special and not just. You know, lamely tread. You know, on you know, doing other things which you know are kind of safe bets necessarily. Because ultimately, what do we want to make? We want to make a cool game that we're very proud of and we want to play. And hopefully, that you know carries on to you know the people who want to play out there as well. You know, that you know, it's 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 a game made by us who are huge fans of this type of stuff. And hopefully, you know, people become fans of it also. Well, that's the reason why the game's been pushed back. You know, the game got pushed back because. We wanted to do certain things. The game just wasn't ready. You know, we just had to keep going and keep pushing. And, you know, THQ were, like I said, I've worked with a lot of publishers that just said, listen, this game is done on this day, irrelevant of what you've done. This is going in a box, and people are going to buy it. And we're just like, shit, this game's not ready. We don't want to finish it this time. We can't finish it in time. We've got X and Y and Z to do yet. And uh, thankfully, they just kept giving us a bit of extra time, a bit more time, a bit more time. And eventually, we managed to, you know, sculpt the game that we wanted to do. And I think they're happy. We're very happy. So, uh, yeah, it, it definitely was a risk thing because, you know, THQ could have just quite easily just pulled the rug from under and said, listen, we're, we're either canning the project or you just got to get it finished in a lot less time and people wouldn't be getting the game that they're getting now. So, mm. thumbs up to those guys. Okay. Um, okay, one last question. Uh, you know, you're, you're considering uh, Dark Siders as your baby. So, yeah. uh, you know, for, for the inspiring, like, you know, game developers out there, um, you know, do you have any words of wisdom? Um, what what actual aspects would you be I mean uh, interested in like aspiring as a developer I mean you interested in game design or art, artistic stuff? Uh, more of like the game design, like is uh, what. Well, Hayden Germain talked to you there definitely then. <laughs> yeah, I mean hey, it all depends on what you're talking about to aspire to. I mean the big thing that we that we did on Darksiders was we tried to give we started off play, uh, giving players a very small channeled gameplay experience and then as their abilities grew and then as we so uh, as we train them with the things that we wanted them to use, we, we open up the game bit by bit. So, you know, even though you give people things that seem completely obvious and simple to begin with, they're, they're kind of baby steps in leading the player to, to doing something that's more complex. Like, our, our dungeons are essentially just learning grounds for, for the new gear I am. So, for instance, you get the crossblade in the, in the Twilight Cathedral. Now, the first thing that you do with that thing, as soon as you get it, you learn that you can hit things that are distant with it. Seems really simple. And then... You know, then you see a switch which is out of reach, so then you go, okay, now I've got to hit that with, with this blade. This is really simple. That we, people get that. And then you find out that you can transfer fire with it. And then so the first thing we do is like we put a flame right next to a thing that you've got to transfer fire to. And then 
slowly these small things add up to like we start doing more complex puzzles where the players have got to kind of sit back and kind of just kind of work out each step on how they're going to do it. So then we can do like a lot more complex stuff. So even though that stuff seems really really simple to begin with, you've got to do that baby steps for to put the player in you know in the right motion. You know you see in like Mario games a lot. You know you see the the little shaking platform that falls down on the ground and then you go a little bit further onto another screen and then now you see that platform over over a spiked you know, pit, and then you know, okay, as soon as I jump on that, I know that thing's going to fall down, I'm going to fall into the spine. So it's, it's, it's exactly the same thing as that see, you know, learn and then repeat. And, you know, it's, it's really important that players get that. And um, like I said, we, we used our dungeons to, to really sell that, um, that gameplay mechanics that we're going to use in much more complex situations later on. Also for yourself, if you're interested in getting into, you know, as an aspiring developer, uh, get yourself into mod communities and, you know, uh, you know, think about designing levels yourself, whatever aspect you can try and get into. And, you know, just sometimes, you know, we play games and, you know, watch movies and what have you, and we, we're taking on board the experience and enjoying that. Try actually breaking it down also, you know, you, there's, there's a mechanics to it, there's patterns to it, you know, try and pick those out and, you know, definitely have a look at those things and, you know, start jotting stuff and ideas down on paper and these kind of things. You know, there's a lot lot of stuff you can do there. And people like the hook. You know, our hook was that, you know, the Horseman Apocalypse. Instantly, like, when you when you say that to someone, people are interested in it. Even though, the, even before you tell them what type of game it is, there's like an initial interest, right? As soon as you said that, that one line, people are interested. And then we just said, okay, well, what type of game is it? Well, our, our like, little tagline that we used internally was like, okay, it's like Devil May Cry and Zelda. And then, so then people could kind of understand the type of game that we were trying to do. So you kind of get inspiration very early on, you know. And then we took the things that we thought um, uh, worked well for these two sorts of genres and just kind of pushed them together. Okay. That's good, Hyena. You all right? <laughs> yeah, That's yeah. Old... I got a little teary-eyed. I mean, like it was very inspiring, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate you know you guys, uh, you know, for your time and you know answering my questions. You're very welcome. No worries, man. If you got any more, I'll just fire them out. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Probably later on. I'll, I'll probably, like, I don't know, like, if, if you guys are on Twitter, <laughs> I'll probably, like, sure. send you a message or something. Yeah, uh, Because, yeah. I mean, like, for me, like, I, you know, I, I have, like, little programming experience, and, you know, I, I, I know a little bit of CG, but, you know, sometimes, you know, this kind of relates to the first question I asked, is that sometimes, you know, I have this, like, grand idea, but it just yeah. seems like, you know, as one person, you know, it just seems too grand. Well, it like, is, yeah. Much, I mean, that's you know. why if you get into the communities, man, you start speaking to people, you'll find someone who can do graphics, who can work with you, or you'll find someone who can do sound, who can work with you. And if you can find a package where you can, like, reskin stuff and repurpose things for your own ability, people, we can see talent. If people send us something and we see this guy, this guy's sharp, this guy knows what's cool, He's, he's got potential, he's enthusiastic. You know, we see that. We've taken on quite a few people at Vigil that were, you know, straight out of college, had a little bit of experience, but, you know, talent and enthusiasm goes a long way. So if, just getting your ideas down and communicating that properly to, you know, to, to, to de developers or whoever it is, people you might want to work with or whatever, that goes a long way. I mean, you just got to kind of inspire someone, right? So if you're just on your own you've got this big idea, Get into the communities. There's other people who thinking exactly the same thing, sat there thinking, oh, I'm an artist, man, buddy. I haven't got a programmer I can work with or I haven't got a, a sound guy I can work with. I mean, I started out in the demo community back in, like, 85 or something like that, and I didn't know 
crap all about art, you know, doing art, and then I found out that there was like packages out there that I could start working. Because I started doing stuff on graph paper and then doing it in like binary code and putting it into the the Commodore 54, and I was like seeing the sprite move around. I could barely do anything. And then I got into the demo scene and I met like lots of other people, coders and things like that. And the next minute I was doing demos and getting into the game industry. But you just got to put yourself out there. Do you know what I mean? Like get yourself a blog and a site and start putting your ideas out there. Start gathering people around you and getting connections. And that's that's where you, you'll you'll go places. If you've got other like-minded people, you'll you'll do something. You just got to keep eye. <laughs> And the community right now is ripe for that type of stuff. You know, the, the blogs and all that kind of stuff, it's perfect. It's just super fertile for, uh, you know, for facilitating all that type of stuff. Well, and, you know, yeah, do it, man. Unreal's gone free now. I think Epic have done a version that, you know, if you're doing it just for fun and stuff, that you can get your hands on the Unreal 3 engine. And, uh, you know, people use the, you know, the Unreal engine. So if you've got some experience on that and you can show that you can do something on that, then... It's a foot in the door, right? No matter what it is, you got you got to start. That's right. Thanks. Yeah. Good yeah. Good luck with that, man. All right. Yeah, Thank you guys. Man. Have made his day. <laughs> <laughs> Thank yeah, you. He's in a spot. He's in a, He's an aspiring. You know, he's in a, he's trying to get something started. You know, and I, I think that you guys have given him a lot of great insight, and that was actually one of the things I had wanted to ask you, and, you know, Hayden, Hayden beat me to the punch in terms of asking, you know, how he got how he got into this business, and I was going to ask uh, Han the same thing, you know, like, well, like, at which point did you realize that, you know, this was going from, you know, a, a, an innocent hobby or an innocent pastime into something that, you know, you, you guys were going to pour your heart and soul into, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, like, for me, um, you know, I, I, I've been, like, drawing since I was, like, a kid. Like, like a lot of kids wanted to play outside, and uh, I was one of the kids who just stayed inside and drew, like, uh, you know, comic books, uh, you know, and um, drew from, like, Battle of Planets, like, cartoons and things like that. And, you know, I continued to kind of do that, you know, but the type of stuff I was doing was, like, you know, fantasy stuff, science fiction and fantasy and things. And a lot of the teachers would kind of, like, you know, poo-poo that and sort of say, ah, you're not going to get anywhere with doing that stuff. And, uh, you know, but it's the thing that kind of drove me. I didn't want to do anything else. And, uh, you know, so I, I kind of just pursued it in art and kind of, like, carried on doing it. I went to college and, you know, went to kind of university and did, like, kind of art stuff. And even there, it was kind of being hampered by the lecturers. But, you know, you've got to persevere. You've got to stick to what you believe is right and what, you know, what you really want to do. And that's exactly what I did. And I had these sketchbooks full of these crazy ideas and uh, concepts and stuff. And one of the lecturers, luckily, this is back in England, in Liverpool, and uh, he actually says, why don't you go and see one of these guys I used to teach about six years ago? And um, the guy he was referring to was, is, was, it, was the art director at Cygnosis. I don't know if you remember that company back then. And uh, they, um, yeah, and um, actually I met Hayden at Cygnosis. That's where we guys ended up working. We've actually been working together for about 10 years. Um, and uh, so, you know, he just looked at my sketchbooks and he said something to me, which I'll never forget, actually. Um, you know, he said, this is cool stuff. When can you start? And I was like, uh, I, I can't start. I'm in the middle of a degree. And uh, he says, forget the degree. You don't need a degree. You've got the sketchbooks right here. And uh, luckily, he actually waited for us. So I completed my degree and then saw him a year later. And I said, you know, I don't really know that much about computers. You know, Hayden comes from the modern community. And he, obviously, he comes from, like, the demo background. And so he was, like, messing around with that stuff already. And me, I hadn't even, like, you know, I mean, I play games, but I didn't know how to, you know, do any of the artwork. I, had, I didn't have that school of friends who to mess around with that type of stuff. And he said to me, he goes, listen, you know what? I can teach you that stuff on the computer, but I can't teach you what's in those sketchbooks. So, you know, the ideas, that's one one thing I've ever learned. The ideas, just have the ideas. That's probably one of the most important things. 
And uh, you know, that's how I kind of just stumbled into it, really, to be honest. And uh, you know, there's a, 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 you know, you could say it's to do with luck, uh, partly what was in those crazy sketchbooks, uh, fate, whatever you want to call it. And that's kind of like how I kind of stumbled into games. And I couldn't believe some of the stuff they were doing there. And you know, at the time. Um, you know, they were doing 2D stuff, but it was just before Sony kind of joined, and, uh, you know, they were going to do Wipeout, you know, uh, back in Liverpool, right. and, and, you know, PlayStation 1 had just started, and uh, so it was kind of like a kind of early times, and 3D was just coming about, and then so it was kind of, yeah, it was exciting times, but that's kind of how I got into it. Yeah, well, like I mentioned before, I started off in the, in the demo scene, doing stuff on the Commodore 64, and, uh, you know, met a lot of good people there, and started to, you know, deal demos with guys all over the world and that was a great experience and then someone just said to me like you know why don't you take this stuff and see if you get a job in the games industry and it always felt like something that someone else did you know it always felt like oh you know these are guys who are really experienced game programmers and artists and stuff you know i'm just some guy sat in a bedroom doing it but this this you know it kept coming up and coming up and saying why don't you just do it so i just i just phoned up ocean software at the time it was like the biggest place i could think of and they were right there in manchester and uh, i phoned them up on um a Friday, I got the interview on the Monday, I took my little C15 tape with all my graphics on it, went there, showed them the graphics, went, right, you're hired, and uh, pretty much gave me a job on the spot, and that's how I got into it. It was much easier then, it's a little bit different now, but... Uh, but the one thing I would say is, you know, Hayden's absolutely right, uh, but also, you know, back, there's a whole community out there now, there's like the web stuff, like, when, when I try to learn stuff, you know, on like some, we had silicon graphics machines, we had these like super huge, like, you know, like manuals and stuff like you had to read through, like with 50 billion pages, and um, and you know, it was, it was ridiculous. And now you have like the web, you have Nomon. If you're into interested in art type of stuff, you know, the Nomon School of Art, and you know, and you can get DVDs. And there's so many people out there, you know, wanting to show other people how to do like normal maps and basic modeling and UVing and stuff like that. You know, dude, it's all out there. It's, 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 do you want it? It's all over there. Just go and grab it. It's for you. That's, you know, it's good that you guys, you know, and you guys had uh, started from the ground up because a lot of these guys, and, you know, you, you may agree with this, a lot of the newer generation that's getting into programming, they really have, not to say that it's handed to them, but it, but it is in an, in an aspect that the technology has advanced so far ahead that they're doing less work. Like, you know, you guys were in the trenches, you know, Hayden, you, you're talking about, you know, stuff, stuff from the 80s. You know, and you're, and you're and you know you're in the trenches, and same thing with you, Han. You know, you 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 took one aspect of your creativity, and you and you use that to get into the business. You know, a lot of these guys, you know, they think, oh, let me do a little cell shading on a Mac, and all of a sudden, you know, I should be making a game. You know, like you guys went through all the proper channels, and and you went through the trenches, which is admirable. You know. Yeah, we do see a lot of that. We do see a lot of people like coming straight from, you know, the the gaming schools and stuff, and just think they should be expected to get you know a, a job in development straight away and sometimes in senior positions but it's like you just need to be realistic i mean people just aren't going to let you come into like a, a company and say oh yeah you can just lead us now and you can tell us what to do you know fresh out of school you got to expect to go in there be a junior or an intern you know do a bit of, a bit of slog and just earn your right to get your place in the team and figure out where you where you settle in that team but we do see a lot of people who they show the resumes and you talk to them and like yeah, we're we're like we're like the shit. We're we're awesome, and then you see the work, and you're kind of like you know you you need a bit of direction, a little bit of time before you can <laughs> before you can come in and 
you know, and, and start kind of like, uh, you know, hitting it around the way you're talking. So, but, uh, you know, but then again, we've oh. also found some people who've just been natural, great talents who uh, have come in and, you know, been part of our junior team and quickly kind of gone up the ranks and become like, you know, good artists and good designers. Well, you know, it's funny because one of the things that, that, that I notice, and, and, you know, it's just, I, the, the internet's become such a powerful medium that do you guys go on, you know, besides researching the game, do you guys look at talent out there like, wow, that guy, that guy has, has some good talent. Like, is that something that you guys do also just for future projects or do you feel that, you know, they should, you know, they'll come to you eventually? Like, are you, do you guys actively seek talent out also? Well, we do a mixture of stuff, really, to be honest. I mean, we get resumes all the time. Um, definitely, there's a, a lot of key sites out there uh, that, you know, if you have artwork, you should definitely place it on there because they have, like, actually have free blogs, free galleries, and you should put it on there. And, yeah, you know, because, all, especially from an art point of view, and, you know, I mean, Hayden's will be different from, from, from a design point of view, uh, we, we definitely have a look at all the... Um, you know uh, the 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 art the art site like CG Talk is out there. Game Artisans, Polycount, these are all game sites which basically people are either getting advice, being given advice, putting up their artwork, you know, for critique. And yeah, because we're we're huge fans of it ourselves, we'll you know we'll be on there as well, and we'll, we might actually just look through that stuff. And if we see someone, yeah, definitely we you know we we kind of contact people, or, you know, and we have done that in the past as well. So you know it's great visibility if you're an aspiring artist or aspiring uh, game developer you know put yourself out there and uh, you know you will get spotted you know you know it's really good to have that kind of just open your eyes and ears and you know take on board what people are telling you it might seem harsh it might seem critical but if there's like gems of you know good advice there take it on board because it's just going to make you a stronger a stronger a stronger artist or a designer you know and and then even if you get into you know fortunate enough to get into a position there's so much, there's so much wealth of experience there. You know, just be humble enough to actually just take it on board. You know, and uh, you know, you'll just grow. You'll just like, you know, you'll you'll just do amazingly well. I, I can just see, and I've seen people do that as well. Also, you know, just people who are just straight in, but they've got great talent, but they just like sponges. They just want to absorb loads, loads of information, and uh, that's definitely the attitude to bring in there as well. And I think you know, people, you'll endear yourself to developers, and then you know, you'll do very well out of it. And plus, you'll you know, it's. Um, it's good good for everyone. Well, yeah, there's definitely two two ways to go about it, right? Like, I definitely see the people who do games as something that they love to do, they're passionate about it, and then you get the people that it's just a job and just happen to be good at this. Like, there's definitely like different types of people, and I'm I'm much more interested by those people who just like will live and die for a game. You know, they love they love games, they want to be involved with it. They've got like ideas like popping out of their head, but you know, they're also like they know that they've got they've got lots to learn. You know, and they're eager to learn. It's the people who kind of come in thinking that they know everything and, and uh, think, yeah. I can well, you, that's what you guys well. want, you know. That's what you guys <laughs> yeah, want. Yeah, we, we want, want people to uh, uh, like love games and, you know, uh, uh, who've played loads of games and got experience from everything. I mean, we, we play like all sorts of games that, we, you know, people play MMOs, we play RPGs, we play shooting games, we play action-adventure games, we play like one-on-one beat-em-ups. I mean, people are still playing Street Fighter 3 at work, you know, Third Strike. Those guys are playing that shit every single afternoon you know some people play fifa we play pro evolution we play like everything and uh the thing is what all that gives you is like lots of different experiences of different games you know one game might have done like an inventory system really well one might have done uh you know like a pickup system really well and even though you're there and you're playing and you're loving these games there's like there's like there's, there's like nuggets of cool stuff everywhere i would i definitely wouldn't say i won't play that type of game because it's not the type of game i play i like to play a bit of everything 
And, uh, you know, when we bring people on board, we certainly, like, you know, one of the first things that we ask them is, like, what games are you playing? What do you like? Do you like comics and stuff? Because, you know, we want people who want the same sort of things that we do, you know. So it's definitely a humble, humble, humbleness and loving games is definitely a big part. A big yeah, it does. Because we've got, we've got to do some serious ass hours. I mean, we... We was doing some crazy hours at one time, like sixteen, eighteen hours a day. It was it was uh, you've got to love your job to be able to do those sorts of hours, you know. And it is a whole different experience, well, because I know people coming out of school, and that's the other thing that's actually here now that wasn't there back when I started. Certainly, uh, a lot of schools, you know, coming out for game development, and you can do a lot of that type of stuff. And you know, that I'm sure that's a great foundation. The actual reality of game development is sometimes a bit of a shocker to people. Um, there's definitely a lot of stuff which isn't as as straightforward as they once and might have thought or as easy as or straightforward. Well, why can't we just do this? So it should be easy enough to do this. Uh, there's a lot of aspects in play, and uh, it's not as straightforward as you might imagine. But uh, it, it's definitely a lot of fun, though. It's, if you're passionate about it, it's definitely uh, um, something that, you know, uh, you, you want to be in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of, you know, it, it, it was good. It's one of those things where I'm glad that, you know, um, Hyena Cole because he's um you know he he's a guy that's that's trying to get his foot in the door you know and it's good to hear from somebody you know because you're always gonna get that canned response of yeah well you know you go to school and you do it and 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 you know that's fine and all and that's the you know the most PC answer but you know and and I appreciate that you guys gave the most honest answer like look it's it's not easy you know you got to go through the steps and you got to get your foot in the door and you got to put your stuff out there and listen to criticism and and you'll get there because you know what it is a lot of people especially in the gaming industry and this is something I've seen they paint a really pretty picture that oh you could come in as a tester and then you know you move your way up through the ranks and and quite honestly I, a lot of times it's a load of shit you know you got to pay your dues yeah. You know, and you guys, you guys have paid your dues in this industry, so you know it, it's it's the right way to do things. That's why I kind of had to go back in, in terms of referencing. You know, people, you know, the newer generation kind of having these careers in gaming handed to them because you guys can decipher the good and the bad of gaming because you guys have been in each in each facet. It just wasn't oh, I'm out of school here, I go working on a game, you know, on a on a you know half a million dollar project that you know, when it's all said and done, I've done 30 hours of work, you know, you guys have put in, you know, hours without sleep, you know, family sacrifices, you guys are, are, are you know, the, the unsung heroes that make our games as great as they are, you know? Thank you, that's, that's really, really quite kind. I've actually got a kind of an embarrassing situation going on, which is um, uh, my phone, despite the fact we're talking about uh, technology, is gonna actually going to run out of battery uh, pretty soonish. But I just want to give one more nugget of super cool advice. Uh, really, you should just go and play Darksiders, and you know you'll see all the cool art and design, and just That's part. Right. And there's a lot of stuff in there. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I was. I know. I know you guys are were, were on a schedule, but uh, nonetheless, I wanted to, uh, you know, get the big plug. Um, of course, uh, HaydenDalton.wordpress.com. That's Hayden's WordPress blog. You can find most of the Darksiders news on there. You can also follow Hayden on Twitter. Um, you got anything? that you want people to to go to you to look for besides you know of course darksiders.com uh right now i unfortunately i'm actually my site's actually down and i'm actually working on it right now but when i do have it up it should be uh, hanrandauer.com all right yeah you need to, you need nice. to go and charge that thing up man don't charge your phone up what's up with you <laughs> well, <it's, laughs> well we're okay for now but if, if i suddenly disappear it's um it'll be because of the battery
All right. And um, also, I also wanted to, to take the opportunity and um, ask you guys, that out of all the things that you've had in terms of, of going into creating, you know, th- this, this great game, what was one thing that you felt was the hardest part of the process? I had been meaning to ask you that. Did you feel that, you know, working on the bosses and making the bosses, um, you know, gel with, with, with your main character in terms of, you know, you didn't want bosses that were pushovers. Like, how did you guys dictate the difficulty level and, you know, the, 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 in the grand scheme of things? Oh, that's a big question. Um, well, <laughs> Sorry uh, about that. You know, I always, I always have a big one somewhere. <laughs> Well, yeah, there's lots of different answers there. Let me see. Well, I guess one of the, the biggest problems that we, we have in in the game genre that we're in is... Um, uh, let, let's start with the, the first problem that you're going to get. Like, whenever you do a third-person uh, action game, the first problem you're going to get is the camera, right? You know, the camera, does it trail him right? Does it cut through the environment? Is it too far? Is it too close? You know, we went through a lot of a lot of problems and a lot of issues trying to get the camera right. I mean, yeah, we could have gone the easy route and just done, like made really small rooms and just done a fixed camera and just run it along the spline and said, right, well, the player can't move the camera and do this, but that's not the sort of game that we wanted to do. So we said, right, we're going to have a free-roam camera. The guys have got to look anywhere, anytime doing anything. They could be riding, they could be running along the wall. Whatever they're doing, we've got to make sure that the player's always got full control of the camera. So getting over that obstacle was, like, that took time. You know, we had to we had to spend a lot of time working on, like, you know, collision detection and coming up with a good system that... When you started fighting, the camera slowly panned back so the players could see all the creatures around them. And then when you started to move on again, the camera would slowly transverse back into its normal position. So getting over the camera and getting that right, that was like one of the first big problems that we had to do. And obviously just getting the control of the, the player feeling good, you know, like him attacking at the right time and getting that nice feel for the combat. So that all the, obviously, everything revolves around the player is the most important thing. And the player's import, you know, the thing that the player uses, the control to, to control that character, all those things like... Character, control, and camera, the three C's, them are the three things that you've got to nail first. And we spent a lot of time with war, just in a blue room, running around, jumping off you know, things, ziplining down lines and stuff like that, just, just getting in feel good. So that was like the first few things that were, were the biggest uh, hurdles to come over. And then obviously the horse. We, uh, we spent a lot of time on the horse. We dedicated like a small strike team of people just to getting the horse feeling good and being able to summon it summon it at any time and just so he controlled like like really as an extension of war not rather not, not like oh i jump on ruin now it feels like i'm you know i'm running around on a tank and it's really hard to control we wanted it to be like you just press left you go left you just push forward you push forward you like it just goes wherever you want it to go so spend a lot of time in getting the horse you know that took time and um yeah the bosses were always a big thing because we have so many of them you know that that took time because they're also like puzzle based we, we based every single boss around the gear item that you get from the level so that took time, like working out a pattern and making sure that the uh, the gear out was fun to use and people would get what they had to do with the boss. That took time, and then just the levels, you know, like figuring out how all how the levels connect together, how we could make it so that it was seamlessly load between one section to another, making sure we had the right load times and the right content, the right creatures for all the different areas. We tried to theme some areas with specific creatures, and um, the balancing has been something that's been ongoing. So uh, we've been, yeah, lots of things we've had to overcome. That, that, that's just a few for you. And then obviously audio, <coughs> excuse me, just making sure that um, you know everything's balanced correctly and like people are saying the lines at the right time and like, so many others, like tons and tons of different layers of things that have been problematic that we've had to work through on this on this title. <laughs> and then the gear items, obviously, like just getting them all feeling cool and, and working correctly. 
Oh, and of course, my, my, my last question, were you, um, did you guys um, give any thought to, you know, releasing a demo, you know, on PS3 or, or Xbox Live at any point, or did you, just, did you guys want to go with just a straight release? Well, we did actually, we had plans until very, very recently to do a demo. We were all thinking that we were doing a demo, and then I think it was roughly about a month, a month and a half ago, the decision was made that we're not going to do a, a demo. So initially, I was kind of a little bit pissed about it. I thought, oh, the people are going to think that there's something wrong with the game. Why are we not releasing the demo? Why can't they get their hands on it? They're not going to like it. And um, and then I kind of sat back and thought about it and thought, well, it kind of makes sense. You know, it's cool that players get to experience that the game for the first time when they unwrap it, when they pay that money and they put it in and they play it. They're not playing through like the first hour or the first half an hour that they've already played on the demo. Like everything everything you experience on Dark Siders will be for the first time. And uh, it was also really hard, like what could we demo to the player in like a twenty minute pocket or a thirty minute pocket that would really sum up Dark Siders and we kept picking different areas that we thought, well this would be a good level to show me and say, Well no, well this doesn't really show this or this, it also <laughs> just the combat or it just saw the traversal like we thought, well, ah, we're kind of screwed then. We don't think we could give them, like, a 30-minute demo that could really, you know, like, sell them the game in 30 minutes. Like, we, we feel the player needs to take longer with it, you know, spend more time with it. So, you know, when the decision finally came, it was like, okay, I'm kind of pissed about it, but now I'm kind of, I'm actually really on board with the idea that we didn't do a demo because everything you see and, and, and experience for the first time will be when you play the game rather than just, you know, in the demo. So, yes, we, it, there was plans until quite recently. So, yeah, there's gonna oh, be- well, you know, at least you, you, you know, you, you sold me on why there wasn't a demo because, you know, a lot of times, and, and you know, this happens with movies, you know, you don't, you, a movie's not screened to critics and stuff and automatically, you know, the movie's considered a bomb or whatever, but the rationale that you had m- makes perfect sense. I mean, you know, you have a game that's, you know, not something secretive, but that you want to, the, the, the person who's purchasing it to be genuinely purchasing it and not just, you know, the demo was fun. You want a genuine purchase because, you know, those are the guys that you, you guys will do a second or a third Darksiders game or any Darksiders-related project, and those will be the first guys online to get the stuff, you know? So I can understand your passion and, you know, your drive to wanting to make sure that, you know, the experience when you first open it is the key is the key experience. Yeah, I mean, the problem that you have with the demo, like with something like Darksiders, we can't give the demo too far into the game because the player has too many abilities and trying to... Because we don't do we don't we're not training the player later on in all the basics because they've already done that uh, you know right at the start of the game so to say there you are you're six seven hours into the game you've got all these different items and you've got to try and use them to solve puzzles that you know are way too advanced for your your skill level you'd be just like playing the game going well what's going on here or we'd have to like artificially do lots of training in a place of the game that we never did it before so the logical step would be okay we'll give it them right near the start of the game and at one point we was going to give away the the, the Mayhem City, right at the start, right at the Apocalypse, where, where that's where you start in the game. You land in the middle of the city, the, you know, the Earth is going all fucking crazy. You land right there, and that's when we were going to give it to the player. And then we thought, well, even if you play this first level, it still doesn't give them a real good taste of what Dark Siders is. You need to play it for longer. So, again, it was like one of those things where we thought we'd actually do it a disjustice to give it a, an injustice, you know, giving players, you know, just a small pocket of it. And uh, because people would make assumptions from that, right? Because you play like 30 minutes of the game, you go, well, this is what the game's like. Well, that's in in the case of Dark Side, it's not not exactly true. Like you have to play it for like an, a couple of hours really to understand what it's all about. Because the 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 world gets bigger so quickly that you kind of start to realise how all the different abilities and things lock together over time. Like you can't get that in a small amount of time. So 
I think uh, I, I think it was a good move. Now I think it was definitely the best thing to do. Like the the best way to obviously understand the game is just to play it. I mean, you, you've had a taste of it. I don't know how long you played it for, but believe me, when you've had like an hour, two hours on it, you'll really start to see how the game starts to open up big time. Yeah, I had about I had about uh, say about twenty twenty five minutes of uh, of a full on demo. I, I um, got to fight the uh, the cave demon uh, that comes out in the middle of the dungeon in the in, you know in the beginning of the level, and oh, also right. like I said, yeah, and I got to meet. You know, I got I got to meet the uh, the demon that's of course sending me on the quest. So you know, I, I got a I got a good sampling, and like I said, the the gameplay mechanics that were shown, and a lot of the um the powers that were um shown that War was able to use were were great. But I can understand where you're coming from because you you don't want it to be too overpowered because then the the game the player's gonna be um, taken aback by the fact that wow I don't start the game off like this. You know, you, you and I can you know I can see the um the rationale behind it, you know? Yeah, well when you played it you probably got a good idea of like the best combat, right? You knew what it was like to use the sword and the different you know, secondary items, you you know, you could pick up cars and things like that. So you got a taste of all the kind of the best level stuff, you know that. But once you're trying to like throw a puzzle at the player where they have to use like uh, you know, like two different gear items and several of their abilities and players have never used these abilities before, you try and give that in a demo, you have to learn the player in some way to understand what they need to do. You know, so like very early on, you know, you might have been able to do some combat, but then people would have thought, well, this game's just about combat, and it's not just about combat. You know, so no. yeah, so that, that's what I mean. So you've got you've got a nice test, so you know that it feels good and the combat feels good. But then when, later on in the game, when you spend more time with it and you get the gear rounds, you'll think, ah, oh, right, this is kind of turning into something that I didn't expect it to be. So you know, that's why that's why we just can't give it to someone in just like a thirty-minute, you know, demo. All right. Oh yeah, I enjoyed you know like I said I enjoyed the the playability. I grabbed it and I was like wow, I, it felt like a, the controls felt familiar, which was good. You know, it's like all right, face buttons are attack. This is this. Oh, that's pretty cool that I can do that. So you know, it it was it was very it was very pick up and play like I said. You know, and I'm you know I know you guys are pressed for time. So what I wanted you know I want to close out by saying you know first off thank you guys for taking the time to call, and um, you know thanks to THQ for for letting you guys, you know, come on. And, of course, you know, by everybody who's listening, definitely go and uh, pick up Darksiders in January, you know, show these guys some love, you know, hit up Hayden's blog, uh, haydendalton.wordpress.com, and uh, Han Randhawa, once he gets it up and running, you know, show your support and, you know, help these guys get this, get this project off the ground so that we can see a Darksiders too. Yeah, if you guys love it, we'll uh, we'll be hard at work on on another one. Don't worry about that. Yeah, um, I'm gonna see if I can contact Craig from THQ. I'd love to have you guys on, you know, after the game's been released, you know, just so we can talk about some of the stuff that you guys are going through now that the game is uh, is on the streets. If that's something you both would be interested in. Yeah, I'd love that. I'd love to come back and just yeah hear the good like from everyone. Like you, once you've had time with the game, once you've finished it and you played it, yeah, I'd love to hear, you know, feedback, criticism, whatever. It'd be cool. Yeah, we're, we're up for that. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna post up, you know, like I said, I, there's video of me playing and stuff. I'm going to put the video up along with some photos and some stills I got when I was at Comic-Con just to help get the word out. And I'll also put up some links and stuff on the site. So you can go to mytakeradio.com and check that out probably within the next day or two. Cool. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. It's cool. All right, I'm going to let you guys get, get to your families. I hope you both enjoy the, your holidays, and I look forward to speaking to you probably later on in January so we can see how well Darksiders did. All right, Rich, thanks a lot, man. It was good talking to you. All right. Oh, thank, thank, thank you for being a great guest. 
thanks, man. All right, have a good night. All right. Um, once again, you can look check out Hayden Dalton's website. That's H A Y D N Dalton D A L T O N dot WordPress dot com. And he has a lot of the Darksiders news up there. You can even see uh, some preliminary art that's been put up for um, the Wizard cover as well as the um, GameStop exclusive comic. So please check that out. Head over to uh, Hayden Dalton dot WordPress dot com. And uh, Han Rondawa's site is going to be Han, H-A-N, Rondawa, R-A-N-D-H-A-W-A.com. Uh, his site is currently under construction, but definitely check it out. And, of course, anything pertaining to Darksiders also, you can head over to Darksiders.com and see some gameplay footage. And My Take Radio will be up late uploading some video probably within the next day or so, as well as some still pictures and some art from Joe Mad that was signed by him as well. Um, definitely want to thank uh, THQ for giving those guys the opportunity to come on the show, and I look forward to having them on in January. Um, I just want to touch on a few things. I know that there's about 25 minutes of show left. Um, the art contest, like I said at the start of the show, is still in full effect, so if you are planning on entering, please make sure to have your entries in by December 10th, uh, the show, you know, I will review the entries between December 11th through the 16th, and I will announce the winner on December 17th. So the cutoff date is December 10th. Uh, just a reminder, the rules are on the website at mytakeradio.com. I will tell you that uh, you will need to have one logo and one homepage banner. Uh, the banner size is going to be 480 by 250. And, of course, the logo can be uh, anything your heart desires. I did make uh, some small requests that, you, that are optional, and you can check that out on MyTakeRadio.com. Also, um, I wanted to discuss the Spike Video Game Awards, which would be happening in December. Um, I just want to run down the categories briefly. I know that many of you are going to want to comment on it. Um, I'm actually going to just give you... Uh, the nominees, and we can actually discuss that on December 3rd's show. But nonetheless, uh, one of their first categories that they have is the Game of the Year, uh, their category for Game of the Year. Um, Assassin's Creed 2 is nominated, Batman Arkham Asylum, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Left 4 Dead 2, and Uncharted, uh, Uncharted 2 Among Thieves. Um, personally, while... Um, Arkham Asylum, of course, is good to see on there, as is Uncharted 2. I do have a bit of an issue with Assassin's Creed 2, Call of Duty 2, and Left 4 Dead being considered Game of the Year, considering that they are titles that are coming out pretty much on the tail end of 2009. Um, once again, this is not something that's voted on, you know, that's selected by, you know, by the fans. I'm more than sure that and I'm not surprised that Madden's not on there and things of that nature. But nonetheless, I think that three out of the out of those titles listed shouldn't be on there for a game of the year title. Um, there was plenty of of there are plenty of games that have come out in 2009 that should have those those honors. But unfortunately, it's out of my control. Uh, for Studio of the Year, uh, the nominees are Infinity Ward, Naughty Dog, Rocksteady Studios, and Valve. Uh, the best shooter category, the nominees were Call of Duty, Modern Warfare, of course, Halo 3 ODST, Killzone 2, and Left 4 Dead 2. 
Uh, best RPG nominees were Borderlands, Demon Souls, Dragon Age Origins, and Mario and Luigi's Bowser's Inside Story. Uh, the best fighting game nominees were Blaze Blue, Soul Calibur, Street Fighter 4, and Tekken 6, which once again, I feel that Tekken 6's nomination is, uh, you know, it's fine that they put it in there, but I think that in terms of best fighting game, there are some strong candidates. I mean, like I said, Street Fighter 4, Soul Calibur, uh, Broken Destiny, and Blaze Blue definitely are going to give that game a fight. For some reason, I see Street Fighter 4 winning it, which is deserved in my opinion because the game is one of the best fighting games that came out during the year. Uh, for best individual sports game, uh, the nominees are Friday, fight, ugh, fight Night Round 4, Tiger Woods PGA Tour 2010, uh, UFC Undisputed, and Wii Sports Resort. I sincerely hope that UFC Undisputed takes that because that is one of the best individual sports games. I'm more than sure that some Fight Night purists will give me a lot of shit. But you know what? I don't give a fuck. The fact of the matter is, I like, I like the UFC. It plays well, very pick-up-and-play, and, it, you know, it fucking didn't drag. So that's what I'd like to see win. Uh, for best handheld game, nominees are GTA Chinatown Wars, uh, Mario and Luigi Bowser's Inside Story, Professor Layton and the Diabolical Box, and Scribblenauts. Uh, best graphics, Batman Arkham Asylum, Call of Duty, Killzone 2, and Uncharted 2. Right there, I honestly would like to see Arkham Asylum get the nod because Rocksteady put a lot of work into the game. Um, if I had to pick a secondary choice, I would like to say Uncharted 2 because that game is just fantastic. But who knows? Uh, for best game based on a game or TV show, the nominees are Ghostbusters, South Park, Chronicles of Riddick, Assault on Dark Athena, and X-Men Origins Wolverine. Uh, the best music games, the nominees are DJ Hero, Guitar Hero 5, Lego Rock Band, and the Beatles Rock Band. Uh, personally, DJ Hero is the most pick-up-and-play uh, so is Guitar Hero to an extent, but I personally would like to see DJ Hero get that honor. Whether they do or they don't remains to be seen. Uh, best driving game, Drift 2, Forza Motorsport 3, Gran Turismo for the PSP, and Need for Speed Shift. Uh, best action adventure game, Assassin's Creed 2, once again, don't know why it's there. Uh, Batman Arkham Asylum, Brutal Legend, which I'm surprised wasn't put in the Game of the Year category, and Uncharted 2 Among Thieves. Best sports game, FIFA, Madden NFL 10, NBA 2K10, and NHL 2010. Right off the bat, I'm going to tell you that Madden's going to win it, and if anybody thinks differently, you're a fucking moron, because you, we all know Madden's taking that, for sure. Uh, best soundtrack, Brutal Legend, DJ Hero, Guitar Hero 5, and the Beatles Rock Band. I definitely would say that Brutal Legend has a, a strong soundtrack, but DJ Hero's soundtrack is just, just out of this world. Uh, the best Xbox 360 game nominees are Batman Arkham Asylum, Forza Motorsport 3, Halo 3 ODST, and Left 4 Dead 2. Uh, the best Wii games, Mad World, New Super Mario Brothers, which, why are you... Punch Out and Wii Sports Resort. Um, if we if if we want to get really particular, Mad World, Punch Out, and Wii Sports Resort. Okay, New Super Mario Brothers didn't come out till like a week ago. Uh, best PS3 game, Infamous, Killzone 2, Ratchet and Clank, and Uncharted 2. Um, 
I would go with Ratchet and Clank, just a really good platformer. I would also give the nod to Infamous. I kind of see Killzone 2 running away with it, but we'll see what happens. Uh, the best PC game, Dragon Age Origins, Left 4 Dead 2, Plants vs. Zombies, and The Sims 3. Uh, best original score nominees were the Assassin's Creed 2 soundtrack, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, Halo 3, and Uncharted 2. And uh, best multiplayer games went to Borderlands, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, which is going to win. That's a fucking given. Uh, Halo 3 ODST and Left 4 Dead 2. And uh, here's some very interesting categories, which I don't think I saw last year. Best performance by a human male. Uh, Bill Murray as Peter Venkman in Ghostbusters. Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Uh, Sam Jackson as Afro Samurai. Shia as Sam in Transformers. And Vin Diesel as Riddick. Uh, the best performances by human female, uh, Eliza Dushku as Ruby in Wet, Kristen Bell as Lucy Stillman, Megan Fox as Michaela Barnes, and Trisha Helfer as Dare um, for Halo 3 ODST. Uh, the best cast, they even put that category in, was uh, Brutal Legend, Eat Lead, Ghostbusters the Video Game, South Park, Let's Go Tower Defense, and X-Men Origins Wolverine. Uh, best voice acting went to the nominees were Arlene Sorkin for Harley Quinn in Batman Arkham Asylum. Her her voice work was fantastic. Uh, Jack Black as Eddie Riggs, Claudia Black as Chloe Frazier in Uncharted 2. Uh, Mark Hamill as the Joker in Batman is another strong candidate in my book. And Nolan North as Nathan Drake, also very strong. I think that the best voice category can go in in any direction because all of those performances were strong fantastic voice work um they conveyed a lot of the the you know the actions for the characters so i think that the nominees are very strong and i definitely look forward to seeing who takes the nod for that uh best downloadable game uh the nominees were battlefield 1943 fat princess plants vs zombies which i've really wanted to play because people tell me good things about it uh shadow complex were your nominees uh the best downloadable content which fucking throwaway categories. Uh, Fallout 3, up for two nominations with Broken Steel and Point Lookout, and GTA 4 for The Ballad of Gay Tony and The Lost and the Damned. Uh, the best independent game, Fueled by Dew, which is just shameless whoring of Mountain Dew. Uh, your nominees are Explosion Man, Flower, Osmos, and Trials HD. I actually would like to see Explosion Man get the nomination and the win, just because Explosion Man was just an original IP, the execution was tight, and just the gameplay was engaging as well as fun. So I definitely would like to see Explosion Man take it. Um, Trials HD was a great game also, you know, very much like Excite Bike, and, you know, just great graphically. So either one of those two, but I really would like to see Explosion Man get the nod for that. Uh, the most anticipated game nominees are Bioshock 2, God of War 3, Mass Effect 2, and StarCraft 2. I actually see this either going to God of War 3 or Bioshock 2. If you want to review these nominees even further, head over to Spike TV's official video games awards site. And uh, those of you looking forward to playing Bayonetta, uh, the demo will be released for the PlayStation Network and Xbox Live on December 3rd. Of course, the retail version will come out on January 5th, along with Darksiders, which you can pick up that day as well. So please go head out and pick yourself up a copy of Darksiders. 
And check out Bayonetta 2. I mean, I want to see what the demo looks like because, you know, if you've played one Devil May Cry uh, ripoff, you've, you've played them all. But um, Bayonetta does look really good. It has, uh, you know, great art, uh, just a great uh, presentation. I think that the female uh, protagonist is just great. And I think that the game will move some numbers. Um, but right now, you know, I'm all about Darksiders just because I played it and I know what to expect. I'm going to reserve judgment on Bayonetta until December 3rd when I play the demo. Um, if you've been on MyTakeRadio.com recently this week, you'll see that I put up a post about the new challengers for Super Street Fighter 4. Um, Famitsu actually released some uh, screenshots, and you're going to see Cody, Adon, as well as Guy, and there's also a rumor that Ibuki and Dudley may also be making an appearance. Those um, are going to join Jury and T-Hawk as the new challenges that are being presented in Super Street Fighter 4. I'm more than sure that um, Capcom will be giving us more nuggets of information within the next few weeks. And me personally, I'm watching it with uh, very keen interest just because I am uh, such a big fan of Street Fighter 4. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, for those of you that have been playing Tekken 6, there will be a free update on November 26th. Um, there's going to be just a couple of improvements in terms of input response, uh, search priorities for ranked matches. Uh, there's going to be an optimization of data transmission between fighters and spectators. Uh, the inclusion of signal strength bars, which is a great thing, as well as the opportunity to allow you to cancel a match if the opponent's strength, uh, signal strength level is low. So I think those are actually welcome improvements, and it makes it, uh, you know, competitive against some of the other fighting games that are out there because, you know, Street Fighter IV um, definitely set the precedent in terms of, you know, signal strength bars, things of that nature, uh, uh, being crucial to overall gameplay. And uh, last but not least, I um, wanted to take the opportunity and discuss the fact that there are already talks of doing a spinoff for the character of Ghost from Call of Duty Modern Warfare, as well as the opportunity for a Call of Duty Modern Warfare film. Uh, this is based on an interview with uh, one of the voice actors from Call of Duty, and uh, he stated that there is something being worked on with the character of Ghost. So if you enjoyed uh, Ghost's character in Modern Warfare, you may get a chance to play a game consisting on the Ghost missions. And with that, I think that I'm going to wrap it up for this week. Again, I'd like to thank Han and Hayden for stopping by and talking about Darksiders with us. I uh, just wanted to give a few plugs. Uh, head over to Darksiders.com for any of your Darksiders information. Uh, if you want to check out Hayden's website, head over to Hayden Dalton, together, H-A-Y-D-N-D-A-L-T-O-N.wordpress.com. Uh, check out some of the posts he put up. Please feel free to comment. Uh, he's very responsive. He's also on Twitter. If you are on Twitter, you can follow him at Hayden Dalton. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to VGN Radio for sending me a commercial, which I will be playing towards the end of the show, as well as the crew at Born Stubborn Radio for providing a commercial for their show as well. Um, and, of course, if you want to get uh, game-related gifts, for your loved ones, head over to Etsy shop, well, Etsy.com slash shop slash Royal Tresses and check out some of the great pixel art uh, put out by one of the 
fellow forum members from the Video Game Forum. Uh, she does great work. Her sprite work is just phenomenal, and the amount of detailing that goes in it is just too much for words. Definitely head over to etsy.com slash shop slash royal tresses and check it out. It would make a great stocking stuffer for any gamer in your life as well as just a welcome and quirky addition to any video game-related memorabilia that you have in your house. Of course, give a shout-out to the crew from VGN and Cleveland Sports Radio to close out the holidays. I want to wish you all a happy Thanksgiving, and join me December 3rd when we welcome Rachel from MMA Hot Stuff. We'll be breaking down UFC 106, as well as all the other goings-on in MMA, as well as the Ultimate Fighter, and the finale will be the first week of December, so check it out. Kimbo Slice is going to be in play, and he will probably be fighting Houston Alexander at the Ultimate Finale. And with that, this has been My Take Radio, Episode 21 for Wednesday, November 25th, 2009. Uh, if you want to check me out on Twitter, go to twitter.com slash akuma25. Uh, for any news for My Take Radio, you can head over to mytakeradio.com, or you can follow My Take Radio on Twitter at well, twitter.com slash mytakeradio. And last but not least, if you're on Facebook, stop by the fan page, become a fan, show some support. And for those of you that are in the art contest, make sure to send your entries in as soon as possible. With that, that is the end of this week's show. I hope you all have a happy and healthy Thanksgiving, and I will catch you guys on the flip side. Peace! You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in, like, really high voices, like... <laughs> well, you won't listen to that on our show, because uh, we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. We're broke as hell. And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So um, if you're looking for a show like that, that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter... Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights on all games. Boystuffinradio.com, that's where you'll find our radio show. Rich, you dig it, don't you? Yeah, man. He digs it. How come you don't dig it? Fuck you. Get on the internet. Boystuffinradio.com. Rat bastards. Are you ready? This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. <laughs>